Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes How are you guys doing out there in Geek Vibes Nation? This is your pal, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show that me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, do, uh, where we go over the latest, greatest in professional wrestling news and review the shows of the week. So we got a stack show for you. We're recording this on Friday night. Tonight, we're going to be going over a couple news items. We're going to go over uh, Monday Night Raw. We're going to go over NXT on Wednesday by itself. Uh, and then we'll be giving our predictions for TakeOver and SummerSlam. Uh, after that, um, I'm probably saying we'll, we'll try to get it out Sunday, but we're going to have our show where we go over TakeOver, uh, we go over AEW, and we go over SmackDown. So things are a little bit out of whack, but what are you going to do? You know, the NBA and all that lovely stuff. But with me tonight, like usual, is Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how you doing, sir? Somehow I feel like this is all Tony Kukoc's fault. Tony Kukoc yep. has broken our podcast. And Matumbo. Did he break it too? Yeah. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Are they still relevant to NBA? No. Just, just kidding. Obviously kidding. Uh, it's all LeBron's fault. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, week's been going good. Watched a lot of wrestling, as always, and um, got a cold beer talking to you. Everything is uh, perfect except for the weather outside, which hopefully that does not cause any problems. <laughs> How's your week been, Dane? It's been pretty good, man. Busy, busy week, but uh, I'm very happy that it is Friday um, on the day that we're recording this. So, you know, can uh, relax, and then I'll end up probably going back and watching uh, SmackDown tonight. <laughs> I'm wondering... Uh, and this is actually a pr- pretty de- decent segue. First news item I have is the Thunderdome. I want to know, did Vince have to pay George Miller licensing fees for Thunderdome? That's something I'm curious about. But either way, a new concept. They have a new arena that they're doing in uh, Florida. Um, and basically, it's 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 crazy, Chris. It's... I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 LED lights. Um, they're going to use pyro, and the audience themselves are going to be basically when you watch it on the television, a bunch of <laughs> people that are are tuning in, uh, just just like a computer screen, if you will, a, a bunch of them everywhere. Um, and I was listening to Raj Giri. He he did the tryout uh, that they were showing us the pictures for. Um, and he's in charge of Wrestling Inc., a great editor over there. Um, he said it when you do the VR experience, it's it's very, you know, they pump in the sound, they they have everything you know going on. It looks like like you're at a live event. He goes, it's very impressive technology wise, um, but it looks a bit jarring. Uh, apparently. The people will be on the screen, and every so often it will switch to another fan that's in line, basically. So 
This is going to be very interesting. They have the place. Um, I think they got it. It's the, I, I remember hearing it was around 400000 I believe, which is a great deal because they have this rented out until October. I've also heard, which is not confirmed, but I've heard that they're not doing NXT there. They're going to do it at the Performance Center. This will just be for fucking Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views. So if that's true, I really don't like that. I think that's kind of dumb. Um, since Especially since they're going head-to-head with AEW, you might as well try to amp that up as well. But uh, is this is this is going to be strange, you know? When we when we tune in after we're done with the show, Chris, it's definitely going to be a different experience. We've both seen the pictures uh, of what we're going to be watching. It's it's going to be weird. It's going to be a huge arena with a bunch of floating fucking heads, literally uh, piping in sound. They've got some type of concept that they can keep track, apparently, of the people. So if they do anything lewd or or start saying something that's not uh, flattering. They can get rid of them. So, uh, you know, I hope Vince is not in their ear because their life will be just a living hell. I'm sure, some type of digital company having to do that. But what do you think about this, Chris? Just uh, as a whole, the concept of heavy LED lights within a pretty decently sized arena, uh, the the pyro being back, and then this 3D aspect, or people just viewing it, if you will, and being a part of the show. The so, era of wrestling ever. <laughs> so speaking of of NBA, I have watched a lot of their playoff games because I've been working from home. So I have the TV on and I'm watching these. And uh, they're also doing this digital board crowd. And the only thing I can really compare it to is the game Guess Who. Dane, did you ever play the game Guess Who? Can you guess who is a mystery? Yeah, of course. Loved it. Okay. So where you flip down people. (laughs) So they do that on NBA. And with wrestling, the way they shoot it on the NBA, because it's so far off the court, it's not as distracting. But with wrestling, with it being so close to the ring based on the screenshots, it seems like it's going to be super fucking distracting. Now, what I will say and what I think will help them going forward is to have a VR experience that you can sell to people for an additional price on the WWE Network where it seems like you're sitting in the first row, maybe like $20 more, and you set up cams to do this. That's an awesome idea because I would definitely pay more if I get the full VR experience. If you ever watched any of the Titantron things that they've done or the WWE entrances they've done through VR, it's pretty cool. So that the the fan perspective of watching it through VR sound uh, seems cool, but like if you're just watching this at home through number, uh, the normal ass network or whatever, I don't necessarily know it's going to translate to like oh this is totally a real crowd if that's what they're going for. Um, but it's a neat idea, I guess. I, I mean, I have to see what it looks like because I've only seen the photos. Based on the photos, if there's some really cool stuff happening in the ring and knowing how often WWE switched camera angles when they do dives, etc., and how they're going to tell people to work with this digital crowd, um, it could be very, very distracting. Yeah, I think that I have to agree with you. And um, by the way, it's the Amway Center uh, in Orlando. So, I mean, they're, they're sticking to there. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if eventually the, the idea is to mix us in with crowds 
you know, at a capacity that's reasonable. This is not an open air venue, so it's a bit different than, say, the Daily Center and uh, what AEW is doing, uh, which they're going to be taking in crowds. I believe it's a fourth of the arena. Maybe you know more information about that. Um, but either way, we're slowly trying to get back to some level of normalcy, even if they're the most ridiculous, crazy-ass way, like floating heads around the arena itself, maybe eventually with some fans uh, in attendance. I don't know if the wrestlers, you know, the the uh, NXT people uh, are going to be a part of the audience as well. I don't know what this is going to look like. It's going to be very interesting, but I have to give it a chance. You know, when this first happened and, wow, I think all of us could send home on a Thursday and SmackDown was on a Friday and we got to see the first live I guess a sporting event, but basically like that type of concept, uh, you know, what it would look like. And it was pretty fucking weird. And it was pretty bizarre and it sucked because it was just at the performance center. But now, uh, you know, it is what it is. Last question before we move on. Um, you know, it's, it's a two parter, actually, like. You know, WWE is going this route, AEW is going more the New Japan route, Um which one, which one's smarter, especially with WWE's stupid past with this? And if true, with NXT still being at the Performance Center, what's up with that? <laughs> um, okay, so I'll answer the first. I, the, the WWE thing, I guess the biggest glaring question is, what's it going to look like on TV and we're not going to know until tonight? So if it looks great... I think WWE took the safest route um, for what AEW is trying to do. One, there there is no being safe during this because you just have to assume that people are smart enough not to come out if they've been in contact with COVID or know that they've been in contact with COVID. Um, and, they also, are... and also just to point out, because I just thought about it, comparing to New Japan is fine in the aspect of what they're doing, but realize Japan... Uh, when they decided to go back to audiences, they, their level of cases compared to the level of cases alone in Florida. So, Agreed. Um, so what they're doing is they're doing seeing pods to a piece, six feet apart, uh, temporal scans coming in, and uh, they're going to do a show. But at the same time, every theme park in Florida, Georgia, and a bunch of other places across America is open doing similar things as far as temperature checking and, and validating that people at least aren't running a fever when they come in. This one's hard because it becomes what is the state of normalcy now and how do we get back there? Um, with WWE, they went the NBA route. The NBA is already kind of doing this with digital crowds. So it was the MLB. I have no problem with it. I just don't want it to distract from the matches, and that's more of me being a selfish wrestling fan. Uh, for the AEW route, if you asked me if I would go to one of these shows, even if I was given a plane ticket and a ticket, I'd probably say no, because there are people I love that have health problems that I might have to be in contact with, and I don't want to risk it just to go to a wrestling show. I'm sure they're going to sell that 500-ticket seat out, because I think they're doing 10 to 15% of tickets for a 5,000-seat arena. It's open air, so in theory, the only person you would get sick would be 
you or the person that's six feet next to you, but we don't really know. I mean, this this entire thing is up in the air as far as what we actually know about it. There's so many con- con- contradictory statements that get put out on a daily about how this thing is, is uh, transmitted and, and what's good and what's bad and what we should be doing. Uh, what we shouldn't be doing is what George is doing, which is becoming number one at being the worst at this. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, the, it, it's a weird one for me because while I want to see people be able to go out and have fun with their loved ones and even go to a movie theater and figuring out how that stuff works out, also WWE's route is safer. But they adopted a lot of practices way after the fact of infecting like 30 people with COVID. So it's a toss-up. I could... I, you know, to me, I wouldn't go. I don't know how you feel about it, Dane, but that, that's, I that's how I you. feel. And it's 10 to 15% of the arena, so that's what they're filling up. Um, and it should be very spread out, but yeah, I, I just don't think it's worth it. I'm still iffy on a lot of different things, you know, as much as I wanted to see. I love Christopher Nolan. Tenet looks like a great movie. I'm not going to fucking AMC to watch it. I'm sorry. I'm just, It's just not worth it to me. I know that might sound ridiculous, but if you look at our cases, especially in Georgia, because a lot of people have that mindset, I just, I don't know. The the uh, the wonderful orange man has a lot of influence, all I have to say. But uh, yeah, the last part of that question, though, do you think it's, uh, do you think it's, if, if this is true, and I'm almost positive I heard Alvarez say this, maybe they'll change it. If they're not doing NXT in this setting, and they're just doing it at the Performance Center, do you think that that's not smart? Obviously, it would cost more money to rent it out for that many more dates, but it's NXT, you know? I mean, I would say I think the overall perspective is this hasn't hurt NXT as much as it has hurt their main product. So I assume that makes a lot of sense. I assume they're just going to roll the same way that they're going to that they've been rolling with NXT. I mean, it's a smaller building. There's only like a thousand seats there, right? Thousand, two thousand, and it's enclosed, so we don't know what the guidelines from Florida is with any of this stuff because maybe AEW is getting away with having ticket sales and having fans come there because it's open air and they have the theme parks back open. So maybe they're able, if as long as they can side with the same things like you know Orlando Studios and Disney is doing, as long as they coincide with that, it's a little different than um, you know what what they're doing as far as the performance center goes. But it is weird that you're just you're basically telling them like, hey, you're not as important to some extent. <laughs> exactly. Do you think they should film at the Mall of America instead? Like the original Monday Night Nitro? Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> is Lex Luger going to show up? <laughs> uh, yes. Is Let's Pasta Mania go. running wild, Dane? <laughs> Pasta Mania is running wild. All right, let's move on to our next topic. I know that this one you'll love to talk about, but we'll just humor it. Probably not spend as much time on it. Um, Bill Goldberg was in the news. Uh, he let everyone know that he still has a WWE contract for the next two years. He's to, to uh, fulfill uh, former ma- matches. So let me explain. This is kind of like a movie contract where people go, 
well, that person has X amount of movies on his contract, so he has to be in them. Well, no, actually, in that Marvel movie, that means that Marvel can say whether or not they need him. That actor, though, has to be a part of those dates. So, technically, it doesn't mean Goldberg's going to actually have matches, but if they're paying him per year, you would think that they're going to use him in Saudi Arabia. Now, his last efforts against The Undertaker proves a lot of people's points about Goldberg. Um, uh, so, there is that. But what do you think about this? And I guess the other question is, who are the four people that you think they're going to go for? I'm going to uh, I'm going to guess, for me, and these are probably all Saudi Arabia-style main events, Roman Reigns kind of seems obvious. Matt Riddle especially since Vince now actually really likes him and he's pushing him, kind of seems like something, somewhere they can go. Um, uh, Drew McIntyre seems like another person that could, you know, if he got to win against Goldberg, any of those guys, it would help their cred. I don't think Goldberg needs to fucking go over. Uh, one that he could, that's kind of a dream match, if you will, I guess, is Randy Orton. So that's my other uh, pick. I could also see Edge, but... Then it just becomes spear versus spear, and I don't need to see Edge get injured by Goldberg. So, uh, what do you think? Who do you who do you think Bill's gonna? Well, Mr. William, Mr. William Goldberg is gonna go against Chris in Saudi Arabia. So, if I had to get four, I would say Orton, Lesnar, um, Roman Reigns, and John Cena. Those would be my guesstimates on this one. But I, I like also- John Cena. I feel like John Cena is getting looked over, but he hasn't ever had a Goldberg match, and he seems like a good guy to bring back when the Fast and the Furious stuff eventually hits. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But um, I don't think we should spend too much time. That's who we think. Neither one of us are the biggest Bill Goldberg fans. Uh, apologize for that, I guess, you know. He's made his mark in wrestling. I'll, I'll just say that. This next story is actually kind of scary, man. Um, I do not like hearing about this. I know that tonight will be the first live, um, uh, you know, uh, viewing of this superstar uh, since this happened. But Sonya Deville was at her house. Uh, I think it was over the weekend. And Mandy Rose was over. Um, and a stalker that she didn't even connect was a person that was stalking her until, because apparently she doesn't keep up that much with social media. So this person had been messenger on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, people get, people of any style of fame get so many messages from idiots that it's easy to ignore. But apparently this guy was saying a lot of fucking weird shit, including I'm on my way or I'm outside your door or something like that. So this nutbag goes to her place He's got zip ties, he's got a knife, he's got mace, and he's got duct tape. And he breaks into her back door. Luckily, she was walking downstairs and saw him uh, while he's trying to get inside and grabbed Mandy and they ran out front into her car. Well, this gentleman, not really a fucking gentleman, this fuckhead uh, entered her house, thought they went upstairs, uh, ran up there, and the police got there shortly after and found him upstairs going through her room. Uh, some, I think he's in his, it was in his mid twenties, but stalker fan that was trying to basically kidnap, you know, uh, Sonya Deville. And you, you can say concepts of 
Well, Sonya Deville's a fucking trained fighter. Like, wouldn't have been great if her man just beat the living fuck out of him. I mean, he, she didn't even know he had a knife on him. What if he had a fucking gun? There's, like, no reason to even think that that would be a smart thing for her to do. Obviously, if it's fight or flight, I think that Sonya would be in the fight mode. But I feel really bad for her because she's going to she's gonna have PTSD about this. Like, she's definitely going to always lock her doors. And uh, I just hope it doesn't mess with her that bad. I actually am looking forward, crazy enough, uh, for the hair versus hair match. Um, I'll give a breakdown of what I think is going to happen later on. But uh, just uh, looking out and wanting to say, you know, from Geek Vibes and, and Wrestling um, uh, Geeks Alliance that glad you're okay, Sonia. I'm glad you and Mandy are okay. And uh, – I'm sorry that some fucking psycho decided to do that. Uh, Chris, I'm sure you heard about this. Yeah, this shit's terrifying. Um, just because you don't know what that person's going to do. And if you're not in flight mode, you should be. Especially if you see someone like this and you're able to just get away. I think she did the smart thing. I mean, the wrestling fan in me is like, what if they just had a hardcore match or whatever? Or like the action movie fan. But the realistic answer to anyone that would run through this is like, get the fuck out of the house if possible and call the police, which she did, which is very smart. Um, Luckily, no one was injured in this event. Um, And for some reason, you know, anytime I hear something like this, it makes me think of like someone like John Lennon or Dimebag Daryl. Like, you don't know. Sometimes fans are just crazy. Or even the Bret Hart incident where this guy got, you know, Bret got tackled on stage. Um, You don't know what these fucking people are going to do. I would say if you're a fan and you're this in love with someone, uh, go go seek counseling. Would be my best advice. But uh, yeah, this is a very scary situation and, and we've seen it turn out worse for other stars, other superstars. It's just, uh, it's absolutely insane to me. And uh, anyone on the internet is like, she should just stay there and fight him. Like, it's like, well, fighting someone with a knife is very different than, you know, a UFC match or having a grappling match. Potentially a gun. Yeah, this is a a crazed person breaking into your house with the intent to do harm. It's not the same thing as, like, I agreed to fight you within these rules. So, like, if anyone's saying that, like, you can kind of get fucked, basically, in my opinion. Like, stop being an asshole. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad she's okay, man. That's that's a fucking scary-ass concept that her and Mandy are never going to fucking forget. Well, like I said, I mean, it's, it, like, it's scary for multiple reasons, right? Because we've seen this in the past where, like I said, you know, Dimebag Daryl, the guy jumped on stage and shot him. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. So if her instinct is to run, that's probably the smartest instinct that she could have had. She didn't know what the fuck this guy's doing. Um, or who else is with him uh, to some extent. You know, there could be multiple people. So, uh, very scary. People in Florida, stop wilding out. You, you, you stole Shotzi's car. Now you're breaking into homes. Like, just chill out a little bit. Like, could y'all chill, please? Yeah, man. And, I mean, I'm not going to go too much in depth into it. I'm just going to make a very small statement. I've made many a times before in the past with stuff related to this on different types of concepts when it comes to mental illness and mental health, we need to start taking that shit a bit more serious because a lot of this stuff would be nipped in the bud if people were properly taken care of early on when they were showing signs. But instead we act like it's absolutely fucking nothing. And this is, this is uh this is this type of situations that happen. Luckily, obviously, like we both said, nothing happened, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will, I will further that point of, 
like I said, if you're feeling this way towards someone where there's this absolute obsession of someone you don't know, definitely seek counseling. Um, and anyone you know that might be feeling this way, definitely seek counseling. I think that you summed it up best, Dane. I will say, just to, to wrap this up in a fun uh, aspect, one time someone did break into <laughs> LL Cool J's house. You guys should look up the photos of what happened to said person that broke into LL Cool J's house. I heard, <laughs> I heard he turned on I'm bad on repeat and just beat the living <laughs> fuck out of him. So if you're looking for that story of someone breaking into his house, some dude broke into LL Cool J's house. LL Cool J happened to be sitting on the uh, the couch and just beat the ever-loving fuck out of the guy. So if you want that story, it's out there for you. But also, just think about it from your standpoint. Someone does this to your house. Unless you are a gun owner and that gun, unless you are a gun gun owner owner, fuck, I can't talk. Unless you're a gun gun owner and that's nearby, your immediate response should be run. And if yep. it's not, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And I'm not supporting owning guns. This is not like a pro gun thing. Um, but obviously you don't know what that person has when they break into your house. So like if, if you don't have something on you, something to defend yourself with and you have a chance to get the fuck out, that's probably a good idea. So forget Oreos, eat cool J cookies. Cause he's bad motherfuckers. Yeah. Anyways, like I, like, like I said last time to say it, I'm glad Sonia and Mandy are okay. I actually just checked my doors to make sure they were locked. That's how much this type of situation freaks me out. Anyways, let's go into a huge loss for WWE, I think, because of her, uh, you know, them underutilizing her for the longest time. Um, she was put in and kind of mentored when she came to WWE by Mean Gene Okerlund, and she was supposed to be like, you know, kind of the female, I would say, counterpart of that concept. Renee Young is now leaving WWE. We don't know where she's going. Uh, there are rumors that she's going to AEW. I mean, part of that would make sense. Because her husband works there, they would put her in a prime role. They'd probably give her her own fucking after show, but I'll get into all that bullshit. Um, and uh, she could work pretty much any sport place. She could go back to Canada if she wanted to. She lives in Nevada, obviously, with Moxley. I'm sure ESPN, a lot of these places. She's a sports analyst, and she was a great interviewer. And talking smack with, with her and Daniel Bryan was one of my favorite things when I first came, you know, the first part of the time when I first started watching wrestling again and it just got canceled and you know, they tried her on other things, but she's not a fucking robot. Like she's, they forced Dasha and they for, well, they, I don't know if they forced Charlie. I'm pretty sure she's like battery charged or whatever, but uh, you know, um, it just, it's, it sucks, man. They tried her on commentary. They fucking completely overproduced her on that too. She is a great contribution I did enjoy the shows that on, on Fox until that got canceled as well. And now I find out that right after she leaves, two days, they're going to be having a new version of Talking Smack come out. And, I mean, they do have their, their Raw show that has uh, – it's either usually um, Killings or, or Samoa Joe with Charlie. And this one is going to be – I forgot what her name is. Is it Dasha? No, that's the one who left to go to AEW. I can't even remember. Um, <laughs> she's on the fucking bump. She's on the pump, and she's going to be with Xavier Woods, who I hope is just still nursing an injury and doing maybe double duty eventually when he comes back, and I hope the injury is not too bad because that scares me. 
Daniel Bryan, same type of position. But what do you think about this, Chris? Renee's leaving. Obviously, AW would make a lot of sense. Obviously, trying to get some other position somewhere else and probably an American sports market for, uh, you know, uh, an analyst would make sense. But WWE, very fucking spiteful, announcing uh, Talking Smack, something she's been working very hard to try to get back on the air. And Vince didn't want to do it. But now that she leaves, you know, John Moxley's fucking wife, he just announces it two days afterwards, coincidentally. Well, I think that was definitely a shot at her, right? Absolutely. I mean, and this goes back to Vince. It has to. It, it seems very insulting. I mean, it's petty, and it's also, like, you know, she had a television show. It basically got canceled. She had this... The, to me, I think the SmackDown show may have had more viewers. I would have to go back and check. But I think the SmackDown after show actually had more viewers than backstage, with the exception of when CM Punk showed up. So the entire thing is just baffling to me, because, like, how many people are watching the fucking bump each week? Because I know I'm not. Um, things that, that Renee could do going forward... Uh, she was pretty good at TSN. She could go back and work for TSN. She could work for ESP, ESPN if she wanted to stay in America. She could work for the uh, Arizona Coyotes out in Arizona for their hockey team. There's a lot of different things that she could do because she's very talented. And went to school for journalism, so like she's not stuck to just wrestling. Now, that being said, if they want to bring her in um, to AEW... I have no problem with it. I just don't know how you work in the interview segments to make her relevant. Um, and I think what I you know. do with well, your answer is just going to be get rid of Alex Marvez, which is going to be my next thing. It's like, do you just get rid of someone? <laughs> Let him do interviews on 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 dark. How about that? And she gets the fucking main show. He can do that. Yeah, but I mean, I I would assume that what she would be making somewhere else is going to be more lucrative, lucrative, and probably less of a travel schedule right now, especially since everyone's doing these shows. I don't see her going to Canada just because she lives here with her with her husband. That's the one thing, but I could definitely see her going to something other than AEW or wrestling related easily. Yeah, and not to throw a fucking cooking show for Christ's sakes. And, like, we don't even know that she cares about money. Maybe she wants to go begin a family. It's not like Moxley's hard up for cash, and she's made plenty of money with WWE. Like, for all we know, she may be cool with not working ever again. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, if she's going to AEW, the biggest gap they have there is what the hell do you do with Alex Marvez? And Renee Young is a, a welcomed addition that I think could be utilized very well. One, because... Her husband is the heavyweight champion of the world. So you can always utilize that in feuds, and there's things you could do around that. And Moxley, if done properly, could be tasteful and good for the company. Um, it just it does throw abuse. Like, throw him on uh, Dark, but then how much do you pay someone on Dark? And how much uh, money, like, pay cut does Alec Mar- Marvez take if he goes to Dark? AEW can't Doesn't sign matter. everyone. Well, I will say this, and I'm not trying to be a dick to Alex. Eventually, you know, right now is not a good time, but eventually they're going to have two shows and Dark, so they can still utilize as many people. As of right now, put Alex, like I said, on the Dark show, um, where he probably belongs, 
and let Renee take over the interviewing on the main show along with Tony, who does like the main interviews on in the ring. You know, or maybe they switch off on that shit. But Alex kind of sucks, and I'm not going to pretend that he's great just because I I don't want him to lose his job. I'm sure they could utilize him in other places. And like I said, they're eventually going to have two shows, but he's a he's fucking terrible. I mean, he's oh my god, I can't believe on par with the fucking robots over at WWE. Honestly, until he gets in there with Chris Jericho or something, I feel like he lets loose. It depends on who he's interviewing, and and maybe that's a training thing. He needs to do the Charleston with uh, with uh, Jericho, and then Jericho kicks him in the ass. <laughs> coach, because I used to hate Coach too. Years, I still don't really like Coach. <laughs> yeah, Coach is so. Here's the big thing for WWE is Renee did all their pre-shows and was the one that rambled all of these random legends together to host this fucking thing as a sportscaster. And did a really good job at it. What are those going to look like? That's, I mean, that's my question. Not like the bump or the after show, but what are these pre-shows going to look like where it's like, okay, well, here's this known uh, like baby face Renee Young we know and love and, and she's able to put these questions out to each individual person uh whether it's jerry lawler or Shawn michaels or you know booker t uh i'm assuming that SummerSlam is gonna look like a fucking clusterfuck pre-shows wise i could be wrong but that's gonna be my guess you know who's gonna replace her on those charlie How did you feel about the Drew McIntyre incident that happened on Raw? Well, you know, Charlie, you know, uh, that was a terrible Booker T impression. She probably should not do Booker T impressions. But then again, I don't think he's someone that would get offended if I tried his voice. Yeah, um, sucky, sucky ducky, y'all. That's, sucky what, that's what his answer would be. <laughs> All right. So uh, we got two more things and we'll start these shows. Um one of them's pretty quick. So we found out that Payback, Dave Metzler said on the Wrestling Observer that this is a thing they're just trying uh, on with WWE. They're trying this concept of once in a while on these big ones, kind of having an after pay-per-view a week later. Um, we don't know what the fuck the Payback is in terms of. If there's going to be some showing of retribution on the show that in that we need a Payback, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I know you're trying things, but I don't know if that's going to fucking work. I mean, that sounds kind of silly and just exhausting. We have to cover another WWE pay-per-view a week after their second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Well, why don't they do what NXT does and just call it a pay-per-view and then put it on Monday Night Raw? Everyone's doing that, man. AEW did that. <laughs> did that. Impact's now doing that. It's smarter. It's Just give like, us a better show. It's a big show, but we put a title on this one, so it's a bigger show. Uh, no, yeah, this is fucking stupid. I don't know how you book a... I, are you going to book everything out of this pay-per-view, which makes this pay-per-view not important to lead into the next pay-per-view? I'm assuming it has something to do with the Antifa uh thing they have going retribution yeah well then call the pay why didn't they call the pay-per-view retribution instead of i guess not to give anything away of what's going to happen but it's got to be something related because it's called payback 
know, yeah. start the Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. Hey, that's a good movie, man. It's an underrated film, Payback. All right, this next one, guys. Uh, this one's a little bit... I got to give some history. I researched about this. I'm going to try to spit out all of this as quick as I can. But, uh, you know, everyone's kind of been iffy, and we've talked about it on the show about the Velveteen Dream. So I've got some stuff pulled up. I'm going to go through exactly what happened. Um, and this is based off of Triple H's response as of recently on the allegations themselves. Um, he said, basically, he was talking to CBS Sports. Um, which which is... It? Um, Triple H told Brent Bruckhaus of CBS Sports when they asked him about Dream's absence, um, you know, the, the car accident and all the allegations, and Triple H said, everything that we have done, we are comfortable with him continuing to do what he does and everything he does. But he had a car accident. It stemmed down to people thought we removed him for TV for those other reasons. We actually didn't. He was in a car accident. I don't believe any of that. Maybe it's both of the things, but give me a fucking break. Um, once he was medically cleared to be able to return to the ring from his car accident, we continued forward the way we did. We looked into what was there and we didn't find anything. Uh, so basically there was actually, if there was any disciplinary actions, um, uh, from that and triple H said, you know, in this day today, accusations are made and you take them all very seriously. You look into them the best you can and you find out what is there and what isn't. In the situation, Clark was also involved in a car accident. That's what took him off TV. In the moment, all this other stuff happened and you look into it and you find out that the situation that people bring to everyone's attention, you look into it and find that it is what it is and there's nothing there to investigate past what we did not found it, basically. Um, he then kind of was asked about it again by another outlet and Triple H double downed. You know, to be honest, you telling me that he's been putting out workout videos online is the first I've, oh wait, no, no, that's, that's about Lars Sullivan. Sorry about that. Let me find the real part. So obviously we take all of these things very seriously. Allegations of misconduct of any nature we take very seriously. I'll stand by what I said to CBS we looked into it, didn't find anything there in the manner of what we're looking for, and we moved on. But it doesn't change the fact that we take it seriously. If there's something else there, we'll look into it. That goes across the board for anybody. But we've already talked about it, we've already looked into it, so I'd rather just move on to other topics. And this was him doing the press conference, obviously, for NXT. Um I have a breakdown of the events, Chris. Would you like to respond to the Triple H thing, or would you like me to go over the allegations themselves? I mean, we've ran these allegations into the ground, so I'm just going to give I'm just going to give my response to Triple H's thing. Well, I will say we haven't been as fair, and I wanted to specifically go into what they were. All right. Well, all right. I'll give the I'll give the response to the Triple H thing. Um, they did not give Enzo Amore or Rich Swan a chance to defend themselves at all or investigate anything surrounding that, and fired both of them. So, there's that. All right. 
All right, so the original thing that happened was actually before the Speaking Out movement, in which there were three girls, all friends, all on Instagram, that got hit up by similar messages of Dream asking them questions, and then shortly into the conversation, sending a picture of what was supposed to be him, you know, naked, basically. So the it looks like him, and there was an audio take because they asked him to send an audio that sounds similar. It said, what school do you guys go to? Um, I'm not saying any of this bullshit, but one of them even went to Reddit and was like, did Velveteen Dream get hacked? You know, there was all these questions from these girls. And then Velveteen Dream, you know, they went on to investigate it. You didn't see him for a second. And he went on to hire a lawyer and make the comment that, be assured, I did not communicate inappropriately with anyone. A private photo of mine was shared without my consent or knowledge. And I'm working with a third party to look into this matter. Uh, I've been hacked. So that's what he was basically saying. Then it was done under the rug for a short amount of time period. Um, then the speaking movement, speaking out movement happened. And wrestler Josh Fuller is the accuser of the Velveteen Dream, saying that, you know, they met when he was 16 and Velveteen Dream was 19, right after Tough Enough uh, finished. So, you know, that season of Tough Enough when they were training at the same wrestling facility. And they became friends. It was some type of a mentorship. And they communicated. He has All this is, is online. If you want to read it, it's, it's, it's there on his Twitter. He, he's the one who brought this up. Said that they never had any type of interaction anyway, inappropriately. Uh, years later, they kept in contact. Velveteen Dream. Now, both of them are adults. You know, he was, I think, 20. Velveteen Dream's 24, 25, I think now. It's like a five-year difference, or just a couple-year difference, basically. But both of them are in their 20s. And apparently what he alleged said is that Velveteen Dream was talking to him in some type of video chat, I don't know, Facebook Live, whatever, and asked him to see what his muscles looked like because he had been working out a lot and then might have gotten inappropriate between the phone call. This guy felt demoralized. He felt that his mentor was taking advantage of him. And, you know, was completely disgusted by it, which is a terrible offense. But I'm just wondering, you know, there's a possibility this person could, just, could be scorned. That this happened with the other thing that was complete bullshit. Someone hacked into his account. Two months later, we had the speaking out movement. And then this guy who's mad and upset decides to put this information on blast. And it doesn't, I'm just saying that there is a lot to the situation itself. So believe what you want to believe. I just like to be able to provide all the information and intel that I know about the situation. If you want to look up Josh Fuller, all of his stuff, like I said, is on Twitter. He even admits that, you know, that when they were younger and he was 19 and 16, nothing happened. Uh, they just had a consensual friendship. He was a mentor figure in the wrestling world, he kept in contact. Later on, something happened. You know, I've already explained it, but uh, giving you that, Chris... Given the fact that WWE went and looked into this, Josh says they never contacted him. So he was pretty pissed off and upset about it. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I just want to believe that WWE as a company would be smart enough to actually make sure that any type of thing like that would not be real before fucking reinstating someone. And unfortunately with Rick Swan, not Enzo, because Enzo's pretty goddamn popular, but I think he pissed off everyone in the back. But I think they see potential in Dream, and maybe that's the reason why they didn't flat-out fire him, which I'm not saying is fair at all. 
I'm not saying you should be fired, but you should have a public suspension depending investigation. You should come out and talk about it as a company. Same thing with Matt Riddle. Like, Matt Riddle goes no, not unscathed through this either. Um, it's it, very true. The punishment should be the same for everyone regardless, right? So it, it, if allegations get you fired, then the very minimum you should be sent to sensitivity training or something, and there should be something that happens to you. You should get suspended your pay cut or so you, you don't get held off TV and then turned into an immediate heel uh, when you come back. And it's fine. I like Velveteen Dream, and hopefully none of this shit is true. Uh, but you know what? You're a multi, you're a billion dollar company. If you can't hire a uh, computer science investigator to figure out whether he was hacked or not, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. So I, I have you know they're they're spinning it this way. It's fine. And in retrospect, it's the same thing as any of these movements. Unless someone actually has proof and it gets put forward, people are going to forget about it six months later anyways, which is very sad. Uh, yep. Until you hear about convictions and, and people going to trial, this stuff doesn't, doesn't get brought back up, um, which is unfortunate. So, like, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I think Velveteen Dream will just be Velveteen Dream. And the biggest problem I have with this is and it's with any sport if the crime is the same thing if it's an allegation then every athlete every person on that roster should be treated the same way you shouldn't get differential treatment because you might be the next star like ben roethlisberg (laughs) so you you get what i'm saying it's it's not my it's, it's more of the problem with that. Like, I'm not saying that he did this. I don't I don't know enough about it to condemn this man as a person. Yeah. But it, it, if you're looking at, like, <laughs> what has happened in the in – the, like, Matt Riddle got unscathed altogether. He went on blast on fucking Twitter as soon as he could, it seemed like. <laughs> and then Jeez. went to Maine. So I need to know where we lie <laughs> – on if this issue is important to you because AEW suspended everyone that was involved and fired some people right so there's a strict but yes except who Justin Roberts the uh, announcer he sent apparently nudies to two underage females Justin Roberts is on their product is he on like black or something or Justin Roberts is the announcer the, the, the one that's really overdoes the John Cena isn't that Justin Roberts I don't know, dude. Who's their fucking announcer? The one, the one. That... I guess so. Yeah, I I don't know. Well, then he should have caught the same blame. Maybe they forgot that Justin Roberts worked for them as well, which is probably fair. John Oh, doesn't sound as good as Cena, Justin. Sorry. Yeah, but in any case, I just think that you're. You I know this said. is sticky. I know me and you don't like to talk about this shit, but in the prospect or concept, if you look into it, if we all believe that that investigation happened, they just found out that his thing got hacked, or at least that's what we were fucking told, and he did, and he admitted it didn't happen, and it looks like he did get hacked in that situation. And then, speaking out, this guy comes out, says nothing happened when he was underage. 
and then says later on this happened and he was more of like, I can't believe my mentor portrayed me like this. That's fucked up, but, you know, I mean, this is going to follow Velveteen Dream regardless if it happened or not for the rest of his career, no matter what. I, yeah, I mean, I guess to the people that know who Velveteen Dream is because he's not on the main roster and only 600 to 800,000 people watch that yeah. fucking show. That's a good point. Right, so I don't know. I, I think the punishment needs to be equalized across the board for something like this. I guess it's more of my problem with it. You can't you can't do like you got an allegation and you got an allegation. Well, you know, you go directly to Maine and you also got into a car crash. So take four months yeah. off, you'll yeah. come back as That's a deal. bullshit. Well, well, we looked into it, but it was actually not about the allegations himself. He got in a car crash. He got in a car crash because he was probably hammered from fucking all this shit, regardless if he was guilty or not, and fucking crashed. I mean, like a, I mean, this is the same people that held out the Usos for like eight months because they got a DUI. Yep. So the punishment has to fit the crime, and you need to be more open with your audience and viewers uh, who appreciate these superstars. So if you found that like this didn't happen, you should publish the results of it and make it an open forum as opposed to like hiding behind like, oh, well, you know, we investigated it, but it didn't happen, especially coming from WWE, which Jimmy fucking Snooker worked for, by the way. Oh. <laughs> um the steroid allegations, uh, like we've gotten to in the past, Saudi Arabia, they they've covered up dirty things in the past, so people tend not to believe it as much. Um, you got to get out ahead of this stuff, and like I said, hopefully none of this stuff is true. I like Velveteen Dream. I think that he looks better um, on the show that we're about to talk about. Yeah, um, but, he had a good match, but that's besides the point. But that's kind of beside the point. I mean, you know, I was kind of disappointed before all of this stuff started trickling out. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I guess my main problem is you need to, you need some consistency. I mean, Enzo Amore was way more over than Velveteen Dream. It's yep. just a fact. Look at his Twitter versus Velveteen Dream's Twitter. And look at their followers, and you'll know one was more over than the other. But you fired one for allegations without research. And you let the other one hang on. The same thing with Matt Riddle. So you just got to find some kind of balance to this weird world we live in. And also, like, fucking don't get sexual allegations against yourself, I guess. Don't put yourself in that situation if you're a up and rising indie star. Maybe, uh, maybe make them sign a contract or something. <laughs> or don't say fucked up shit that makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I completely agree. So 104000 for Dream. I'm wondering, I mean, I wonder what Enzo's was back there, but I'm just wondering, based on what you said. Oh, yeah, 523000 for Enzo. Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm just saying, you know, uh, he's been training. Get him back on fucking television. How you doing? All right. That's it for news. Thank you guys for, for listening to that news. That last one was just a fucking wonderful concept to go over. But information's out there. Triple H made those comments. It's kind of a follow-up to stuff like that. So appreciate you guys uh, chilling with us because it makes both me and Chris uncomfortable as fuck. So anyways, why don't we get more uncomfortable and talk about Raw? (laughs) 
God damn it. That was a bad segue. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, why are we uncomfortable about Raw? We can hate Raw. It doesn't mean that we're uncomfortable about it. I was just Our- trying to make a segue. Because they showed a recap of Ric Flair getting punted in the head. Oh. That, that's sad. So, we, we didn't talk about that Monday Night Raw. We didn't get a chance to go over on SmackDown last week. I will say... They made a huge mistake having Shawn Michaels come out this week and not doing the Ric Flair angle, I believe, uh, on this last Raw for the Go Away Go Home show. If you wanted to have Shawn involved, you could have still had him in the lineup, just reverse the order. It was much more impactful when it happened to Rick. And even though apparently Rick is written off television, or that's what WWE told different outlets, let's let's face it, there was there might have been two reasons why the lights went out. One, so he didn't actually fucking punt him. And two, so if Ric Flair wants to cause Drew McIntyre the match, they have that option in the fucking in the in the back of their uh, their their hand, if you will. But show started out with Drew coming out, and they showed a package about that. Um, we didn't talk about it, Chris. Uh, I thought that that was really meaningful, and I thought it was a really dumb thing for WWE not to do that on the Go Home Show this last week and do it two weeks ago with Ric Flair. You're talking about the pun on Ric Flair. Yeah, and when Drew came out at the end, he was like, you son of a bitch! Like, why did they not do that on Monday when they did it with Shawn Michaels this last week? I mean, I guess the better question is, why did they also do it two nights later to Adam Cole? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, well, that's that's a that's a punt from a punter. That's uh, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> um, I think it's bullshit, and Ric Flair gets involved in the match, and... You know, Randy walks away with the title. I, I still feel like he's getting the title. After all the shit we've talked about, it, it just seems all signs point to Orton. Maybe that'll increase ratings. We'll see what happens, I guess. Poor Drew. Well, all right, so he entered the ring, and like I said, they showed a lengthy uh, video of what happened uh, with Ric Flair the week prior. Drew says what Orton did last week was completely unforgivable. Orton brutalized Flair. Drew goes on about how great Flair is, pointing to how he's a 71-year-old man who was close to Orton, but Orton just kicked him in his skull after he poured his heart out to him. Orton is pure evil. Drew says Orton isn't facing a defensive, a defenseless old man at SummerSlam. He's facing a severely pissed-off, fire-breathing Scottish dragon, and he's going to hurt Orton, not just for Flair, but for everyone Orton has wronged in his entire career, you'd be doing that for a very long time, man. Uh, we got more technical difficulties with the broadcast now as random graphics start flashing over the screen while Drew goes on, talking about Orton's history with the WWE uh, Hall of Famer Mick Foley. The camera cuts backstage to a production truck. Retribution is in the truck with baseball bats. The mass, I'm sorry, I can't not laugh at this stuff. The mass males and female attackers start destroying parts of the equipment and bullying the production workers. One guy is held against a wall. A mass man yells at him to cut the show off, and he finally gives in, pressing the button. Raw goes black and straight to commercial. All right, I get what they're doing, but man, they were out and able to fucking get the show going by the end of the commercial break. That was pretty fucking, uh, that was amazing. You know what would have been a great storyline if, like, What's all of, all of this shit happened and then, like, it came back from commercials and it was just, like, Chris Lee's? <laughs> like, that was, like, stand by, temporary programming. 
and we have a Chrisley's episode. Yeah, um, because like, what you're gonna lose some, you're gonna lose like, because people are gonna tune into the Chrisley's after that. They're gonna be like, what the hell happened? And then the next week, you're gonna be like, what the hell happened? They would never do that because they're just tanking, you know, ad rev or whatever. But like, if you're gonna do this, if they're gonna destroy the entire production truck, right? How the hell did they get everything back up and running? And I mean, WWE is really good at production, but like, if you destroy the entire truck. I don't know that any tech team's going to get that back up in, like, five minutes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. All right, so back from the break, and Drew McIntyre is in the back with a group of superstars, Tyus O'Neill, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, the Viking Raiders, Akira Tozawa, Riddick Moss, and Berta Carillo, and a few others. Titus asks if Ric Flair is okay, and apparently he is. Drew goes on about Randy Orton and then Retribution and says... He doesn't appreciate it when people come into his backyard and crap on others, which is what Retribution is doing. We, He proposes they band together and do something about the, the uh, new faction. Seth Rollins and Murphy walk up like douchebags. I added that in. Uh, Rollins mocks Drew and says, as Messiah, he's already the locker room leader. Drew says he's been trying this for years now, and if there's uh, – there, they're not respecting him by now. It won't happen. Rollins says being champion doesn't make Drew a leader or teacher. Rollins says he was the first to teach Drew about being a champion, like he taught Dominic how to be a WWE superstar. Uh, Ricochet says... Sorry, hold on. I lost my spot. Uh, Ricochet says Seth is about to get a receipt for what he did to Dominic, Ricochet and Cedric both heard Rey Mysterio will be here tonight, but Seth doesn't believe it. Drew asks if Rollins is scared. Rollins isn't because he knows how to protect himself and others around him. Seth says Drew couldn't even protect Flair last night and needs to get his priorities right or he will lose the WWE title at SummerSlam. Drew threatens to drop Rollins and shoves him. The others calm, uh, calm things down and Rollins leaves with Murphy as Ricochet tells Drew He's not worth it. Um, good segment. There's only one problem. They did this exact same fucking segment on SmackDown, except for uh, Big E was in Drew McIntyre's place, and fucking Baron Corbin was the douchebag that came in and started talking shit. So kind of unoriginal. But, I mean, I like the interaction. I, I I'll just say I like Drew, man. I, this, this whole thing fucking sucks for him. Um, because of the situation, it's just not... It's not really his fault when it comes to a lot of this, and I really agree with you, Chris. I'm starting to believe Randy Orton, unless he gets super kicked, which we'll get to later on, um, is going to win and be true for the championship. But uh, what did you think about this part? Yeah, unless Sean is coming out of retirement to face Randy Orton at some event that we're unaware of. This does seem the clean answer. But also, Sean versus Randy Orton, not a, not a bad matchup. Be okay with that. Um, this sucked. <laughs> I mean, it built, I guess, but it's hard to care about any of this. Where are the street profits, Dane? Where are the street profits? Is that guy dead? Did he die from the poison? No, he was fine the next week, actually, and uh, uh we'll get to that. That's another fucking letdown. <laughs> okay, so do you see why I think this sucks? Oh yeah, of course. And Rick's just fine. He got punted in the head, but everybody else gets sent into retirement for forever. Well, that's what Drew said, but I guess they, they could be... 
I'm more mad about. We'll we'll get to it when when we get to Shawn Michaels. The fact that he no sold the fucking RKO followed by the punt kind of bothered the hell out of me. Um, well, Shawn no sells everything. So <laughs> well, I think it, it might have been. I think there's a rumor going around. It might have been a receipt for all the comments that Randy said to the NXT product about leg slapping and shit. Um, but if it's, I don't know. I don't know if that, he's that unprofessional. If so, that's the fucking only thing that Shawn Michaels has ever done for the talent in the back. So good for him. <laughs> yeah, and it's because it's his students that he's that he holds so dear. Basically, he, he uh, takes an RKO and a punt and then just nips up. <laughs> well, Randy's he just, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> well, what? Uh, and we'll get to it. But it was yeah. He basically he got he got the RKO. He got punted. And there was also a rumor that, that his hat fell off, and you know how Sean's balding like a motherfucker. He might have tried to get to the corner to put his hat back on. I think that's kind of bullshit. But he gets to the corner and starts pulling himself back up. By that time, Drew McIntyre comes to the ring, sees if he's okay. Randy tries to do the RKO, runs back in the audience. Sean's getting better and getting back, like, you know, more up. And then he finally gets RKO'd, and he's knocked unconscious, and Sean's consoling him. Every other fucking person... Edge, Christian, Big Show, all of them. One punt, done. Ric Flair. But Sean either was trying to get his hat back on, not to expose his head, or was like, hey, Randy, how about you go fuck yourself? Quit smacking your thigh when you're doing the punt. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't buy the getting your hat back on because you wrestled that fucking whole match without a hat on in Saudi Arabia and Triple H <laughs> tore his pectoral off or whatever. So I call bullshit. I call Sean was being Sean. He was like, you're not getting over on me, nerd. You'll never be as good as HBK. (laughs) Got to book him super strong. Hopefully they do a rebuttal on this where it's Sean versus Orton, because if so, that makes sense. Can we have have Ric Flair in Sean's corner? And I think Hulk Hogan should be in Randy Orton since the last time this kind of thing happened. It was Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan 2005 SummerSlam where – HBK was pissed that uh, Hogan wouldn't, not even that he would, wouldn't lose, but that he wouldn't even really play ball as far as the match that Sean wanted to do. So what did he do? He oversell like a motherfucker and just, you know, basically <laughs> what Dolph Ziggler does on purpose. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you could even have Hulk talking about how, like, he's a squirt, how he was never going to be as big of a star as Hulk Hogan or some of the other bigger guys that were there. You could build off, you could build off that. I'm down. Sure. I don't think it's going to happen. And if if Sean did come back, obviously I'd. I mean, let's see. Seth, fucking AJ, Daniel Bryan, Edge. There's several people I'd rather Sean go against. <laughs> like, a, like I said, Adam Cole was dead for two weeks. So, uh, <laughs> and that's not from a wrestler. That's from a punter. <laughs> well, don't yeah. you know football players are stronger than wrestlers, even at wrestling. I mean, I guess, but then why didn't, like, Pat McAfee send that linebacker to go fight Adam Cole next week? That's a good point. Or this weekend. Like, I I don't know, man. I I hated the segment, obviously. You were more positive on it. I mean, I think the content inside it was fine and people did what were asked. Also, Ricochet is just there. Yeah. Uh, What did you say? They seem to be doing more with fucking Cedric than Ricochet and Mustafa. And no, it's no offense to Cedric, but he's actually part of the storyline. And these two guys are fucking in the background. 
<laughs> like Ricochet brought up receipt. I like. I love they they drop. They love dropping carny lines now. That's their new thing. He's yep. like, I got a receipt for next week. And it's like, well, Orton never like. None of these people ever really like fucked you up in any way. Like you know, if if Gargano said it, you'd be like, okay, I you know he got dropped on his neck. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> but it's like, what the hell does Ricochet have a receipt for? He's the one crushing everyone with that. <laughs> Nine hundred and seventy-five thousand splash. He does. Uh, poor Ricochet. But anyways, speaking about the guys that have been opposing him and his buddies, uh, we go back to the ring, and out comes the Hurt Business. MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin. MVP says that Drew McIntyre is in the back, organized some kind of buddy system. The Hurt Business is here to make a statement. MVP says, wherever Retribution might be, the Hurt Business is officially open for business. MVP says while others are worrying about their retribution, where retribution might strike next, the Hurt Business is calling them out. He goes on about the retribution isn't tough, attacking people from the shadows. What's tough is him, Benjamin, and Lashley. MVP says he's always learned to follow the money. Who benefits the most from retribution? Follow the money trail, and it leads to catering to the United States champion, uh, Apollo Crews and his band of merry pranksters, Ricochet, Mustafa Ali, and Cedric Alexander. It's a catering crew. God damn it. MVP bets Cruz came up with the retribution while he was at home on the couch. He goes on about why he thinks Cruz is behind retribution. The music interrupts and out comes Cruz with his title. Cruz says he knows how MVP is, but to accuse him of being behind retribution is pretty low. Cruz says MVP is just trying to come up with distractions before their title match on SummerSlam because MVP knows he can't beat Cruz. They go on trading shots on the mic as Cruz approaches the ringside area. Cruz says if he can beat Shelton tonight, then Shelton and Lashley will be banned from ringside at SummerSlam and will have to watch the match from catering. Cruz says he will show MVP he's not, he just uh, can't beat him without the help. MVP accepts and says there won't be any excuses at SummerSlam, just results. Benjamin comes out and tries to attack it, but it backfires, and Cruz hits the ring to stand tall and prepare for a fight, staring at the others down. We go to commercial. Uh, before we go over the match, I got to say, man, there's been a couple people that have been able to take this era that's really unfortunate and pretty much strive from it. Now, I'm not going to so much say that for Bobby Lashley and Sultan Benjamin, but I am going to give big fucking props to MVP. He comes out. He always cuts good promos. This guy was going to retire at Royal Rumble and become a fucking agent. And now he's still wrestling, still relevant, and been one of the better things about Monday Night Raw to me. I mean, even though they didn't go back, and we'll get to the fucking underground concept, I like the aspect when they took it over. I thought they were going to go with that, and then they just didn't. But I think that he's been a good part of the show so far. Would you agree with that, Chris? I would totally agree with you. I think MVP's always been great, and they underutilized him when he was there. And coming back, he's found his niche. Um, it's weird that you know he's going against Apollo Crews for this title. He's probably going to lose, but I guess the end result is you know Bobby Lashley, right? So. The setup, I, I think they're doing a good job of trying to push Apollo Crews. I feel like this faction could be much more on this show. 
I agree, and I'm wondering if it's about to get bigger with one more person because he's in Shelton Benjamin's ear, and Shelton keeps on evading it, but it seems like this is slowly going to be a turn where the prospect of joining that group, I think that MVP, I'll just go over my prediction right now, I think he's going to win the United States Championship. I think they're going to start stacking belts in that group, and I think that Cedric's going to join them and screw over Ricochet, Ali, and Cruz. Uh, because of MVP getting in his ear. I mean, that would be my guess, but I would also say if you got nothing for Velveteen and you're going to use him anyways, why not throw him in this group and have him be the rock of the group? Oh, the opposing guy to to MVP's Farouk? Essentially, I mean, because they were going to redo that storyline anyway, so I have to guess that's where they were going. Um, I like that. I do like that. And I think Velveteen has the swagger to pull it off. I don't know if the the fans are going to receive it that well, just based on everything that happened. But if you're going to do it, like... uh, He's a heel, I guess. (laughs) I mean, he is a heel, so you're throwing him in the heel group, and then you can have the baby face turn. See what happens. But, yeah, like, I don't know. MVP's been fucking great. I didn't expect anything less from MVP, because he's always been fucking great. But, uh... Knowing that he was like, I'm going to retire, and then he signs like a two-year contract, you're like, all right, well, I guess MVP's going to wrestle some. <laughs> yeah, I'm down, man. I'm down. He's, he also, some information that you'll like, he reported that um, Samoa Joe's almost uh, clear to wrestle in an interview. I don't know if he was supposed to say that or not, but uh, it looks like Joe will be making a return sometime soon. Well, good. Hopefully not against AOP, so he doesn't get to drop on his fucking head 17 times in a row. Oh, God. Uh, I hope he gets a punch set in the face. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm I'm wrestling again. Goo! Right in the face. And also something we forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, which is uh, a a real quick uh, 10 seconds moment of silence for Xavier, the second Ring of Honor champion who feuded with... uh, with Joe and Loki. Oh, yeah. You know who else? We didn't get a chance. Not only Xavier, but also Kamala, um, who passed away. Two big wrestling names from two different eras. Yeah, Definitely. and Xavier is probably not as well known, but the people that came up after him through Ring of Honor are very well known with feuding with Christopher Daniels and Jay Briscoe and AJ Styles and Paul London and Samoa Joe, all of those guys, they had to go through Xavier and he was about to have his comeback match before COVID and unfortunately he passed away. So very sad. And also the Kamala, I mean, Kamala's a legend, right? Yep. So also COVID. Yes. And in diabetes too, unfortunately. Kamala. Um, uh, too bad, man, with the end of his life, losing both of his legs. I'm glad a lot of wrestlers in WWE uh, manned up and helped him out financially, but just, I mean, for being, this was a giant. When I was younger, he scared the fuck out of me. I mean, he was like Papa Shango and Andre and certain other guys that I was scared of legitimately. And he wasn't the most graceful big guy in the ring, but, I mean, he body slammed Andre way before fucking Hulk Hogan. He was about 6'8", 6'9". Scary looking dude. 
the closest I think anyone's ever done to something like him that was actually somewhat believable. Actually, it still wasn't believable. It was more Kamala was for his time, but was Yumaga. And unfortunately, we got a match between the two of them, but Yumaga just got to go over really quickly. But uh, yeah, if you want to watch some stuff, uh, there's plenty of stuff. I'll look up Xavier's work on Daily Motion, or you can go and download Ring of Honor's app. And Kamala's, uh, you know, he's got a whole entire section that they put on Facebook. I would definitely recommend if you want to laugh, they got some fun matches on there. But him and George the Animal Steel at Madison Square Garden was absolutely the most cartoon wrestling match I've ever fucking watched. That first they started like, <laughs> the mirror thing where they pull, put a hand up. They do, and one of them's like, you know, uh, George is like barking at him, and Kamala's getting freaked out from him. It was, it was great. It was awesome. It's it's good comical WWF stuff for sure, and if you want more serious com- like Kamala stuff, look at him in in, in mid south and Memphis. Um, guy was absolute monster, utilized well, and with Xavier specifically, the feud with Loki would be the the stuff I would tune into because Loki was on fire back then. Ooh. He had some great matches, and also Amazing Red versus Xavier. Check out that some good shit back in very very early ring of honor gabe sapolsky days we're talking about um but yeah it's very sad both passings I, I just i had to give a quick call out about it i'm glad you remembered because that would have sucked if we forgot about both those guys all right let's give them 10 seconds All right, rest in peace, both of you guys, and also just uh, some some love to Marcus Bagwell, Buff Bagwell. He got in a car accident, and he's been in the ER since yesterday. So, you know, we also hope that nothing happened with with uh, Buff because he is the stuff, and that would be terrible. Buff is the stuff, and could have been one of the most over wrestlers of all time if he didn't break his neck. I stand by that. He was over shit, man. It was also the fact that they decided to make his mother way too much of his storyline too. Thanks, Vince Russo. Yeah, that was at, that was after he broke his neck, and then they kind of slowed his run a little bit. But he was uh, he was easily someone that could have been super super over in WCW if utilized correctly. So get well soon, Buff Bagwell. I love you. Absolutely. All right. So the match with Apollo Cruz and Shelton Benjamin would end with Benjamin uh, going for a power bomb. Uh, for Cruz, but WWE 24-7 champion R-Truth runs into the ring with Akira Tozawa's ninjas right behind him. God damn it. They run right out of the ring and up the ramp to the back. This leads to Cruz taking advantage of the distraction, dropping Shelton for a quick pin in the match. This was a pretty damn good match, honestly. It was short, but, I mean, in a lot of ways, Apollo Cruz reminds me of Shelton Benjamin. They're both uh, collegiate wrestlers. They're both extremely athletic and i mean i'd like to see a long form match with the two of them it's just shelton's i mean if they didn't think he was that much when he was the golden standard now he's the past 24 7 champion i mean of course apollo is going to win but after the bell lashley and mvp immediately hit the ring and attack Cruz. ali ricochet and cedric end up making the save lashley catches cedric coming off the top with uh the full lashley it takes Ali, Ricochet, and Cruz to get Lashley's hold broken. They send him to the floor where MVP is standing. Truth comes running back down the ramp to ringside, but Shelton drops him 
on the floor, covering him to win the 24-7 title. MVP takes the mic and challenges Cruz to find two partners for a six-man elimination tag match later on tonight. Per stipulation on Cruz versus Benjamin, Lashley and Benjamin will now have to watch the U.S. title match at SummerSlam from backstage as they are banned from ringside. I like that aspect. I think this is going to be a fun match with MVP and um, Apollo Crews. And, uh, yeah, just get, get get the fuckery out of there. Let's have the two guys go. And let's have the better man win with MVP. I mean, I think that uh, I would rather see <laughs> U.S. title than uh, Cruz had a good run. So I'll just say that. I like I like the Rascals WWE version that he's a part of. I think that's uh, fun. Because uh, um, I think Cedric's leaving, so they still need a third person with him and Ali and Ricochet. Anyways. Yeah. yeah what maybe, do you... that, maybe that third person is Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream. Uh, what What do you What do you think about this? Um, the match now that Shelton's now the twenty four seven champion again. Uh, what the fuck? And the match itself between Apollo and Shelton Benjamin. God, it's so hard because it's just a combination of clusterfuck in my mind of whether I liked it or not. Uh, Shelton Benjamin's good in the ring, turns out. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good. Um, you you did do a comparison of Shelton Benjamin versus Apollo Crews. I will say Apollo Crews is a better athlete um, and maybe a little better promo. It's just WWE doesn't know how to... Huh? Shelton's not good on the mic. Yeah, he's not. And he also didn't have the backing of having a good tag team. And, and uh, well, with Apollo Crews, he doesn't have the backing of having uh, Charlie Haas and, and Kurt Angle to bounce off of, which I think yep. put, you know, Shelton to a better spot. I think Shelton is a better New Japan wrestler, being a strict wrestler who can get themselves over as a gaijin. Um, that he's being part so- of my... He was part of my favorite super kick of all time. But he, didn't he do like a, uh, I'm trying to remember now. But he did a springboard a, to the inside and Sean just nailed him perfectly. Didn't he do like a, what was like a springboard, uh, God, what is the thing Billy Kidman used to do? Uh, shooting star press? Was it like a springboard shooting star directly into a super kick? No, that was, uh, I think that was, uh, what's his name? Matt Bourne did that. <laughs> Sean's got three that are ridiculous. It's that one against Matt Bourne, and then the Rey Mysterio fucking uh, whatever, 350, 540, whatever the fuck it's called. And Sean just <laughs> nailed him perfectly. It's, Back when the super kick was an awesome move to watch. It's only, it's, it's only, it's only good because of the person taking the move, though. Sean's just Absolutely. still throwing the same fucking super kick. <laughs> Yeah, all those guys are badasses when it comes to being ath- athletic. So, uh. <laughs> Sean's like, I took enough bumps. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. What's uh, <laughs> Triple H there? I don't know. I can't do Sean, man. I wish I could. No one can really do Sean. It's just like this weird Texas accent, but it's also northern because he lived with Vince McMahon for so long. Because I'm just assuming he lived at Vince's house for a while. <laughs> it's like a combination of accents. There was a Shawn Michaels hammock at Vince's house. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, all joking aside, um, all of this stuff was like pr- 
pretty good. <laughs> you know what's not good? All this bullshit with Demi Burnett from The Bachelor. Who the fuck is she? And why is she there? Twice in a row! So I listened to, like, Wrestling Observer Live, which I shouldn't do before doing this podcast. And apparently people are calling in. It's like, she was, like, one of the best promos on The Bachelor. Like, she was, like, the character. So if you remember Flavor of Love, she was, like, kind of the New York character, I guess. Like, a loudmouth who cut really good promos on people. And they put her here, and they gave her, like, the Charlie Caruso treatment. Is my assumption. Well, Angel needs to get his shit together because he's pissing off Charlie. And, you know, you know, he's, he keeps on... He's married, by the way. Remember when he asked his, his wife to marry him? <laughs> so, so RoboCop versus Terminator versus his actual wife, Judge Dredd, uh, next pay-per-view. That's how they should book it. And then they should just all fucking cosplay. I don't give a fuck about this. Yes, this was terrible. All right, I don't, I don't care either. There was questions about the poisoning of Montez Ford. Angel denied it, obviously. And then the what the one guy Ivar came up and offered her a turkey leg. God damn it! Do you remember these guys in New Japan and even NXT? What the fuck? Like, could you imagine back in the day if like Demolition, if Axe, or if LOD Animal came and was joking around with some fucking chick in the back and offered her a turkey leg? Like, I get he's a fucking Viking, but god damn it. Yeah, uh, but, like, if some geek came up to Hawker Animal and was like, you got to offer a turkey leg to this person, and there was no legitimate story behind it, they'd probably knock him the fuck out. This is so stupid. So they had a match, because they were both fighting over this girl's love, I guess. Uh, <laughs> oh, god damn it. So the end, Ivar goes out and launches Garza into the apron. Uh, and into the Puxy glass barrier. Ivar brings it back in the ring, but Andrade provides a distraction, and Garza decks him as he tries to come back in. Garza with the drop kick to the side of the face while Ivar is down for the pin. Winner, Angel. Garza, after the match, Garza stands tall as the music hits. Andrade and Vega join him in the ring. Uh, Demi and Dawkins uh, appear on the big screen. She congratulates him while Dawkins taunts. Uh, Demi indicates she will be at SummerSlam to watch the tag team titles match. Yippee fucking Kaye. Dawkins brings up uh, Charlie uh, Caruso and Garza gets obsessed or upset, <laughs> telling him to mind his own business. Dawkins says we're about to find out a lot about Garza and the squad he runs uh, with. He points to the side and Garza is confused. The screen goes black. Garza exits the ring and runs to the back. Joe says something. Is about to come out, and it's good. Vega goes to Joe and demands to know what it is. Joe says, due to the actions of Retribution, WWE recently gone and put in 100 hours of security footage from security cameras. He bets Vega would be interested in seeing the footage because it shows how far some people are willing to go when they think no one is watching. Joe laughs as an angry Vega storms off, telling Andrade to follow. We go to commercial. Um, and so basically this shows, I'm not going to go into everything. Angel walks up to Demi and Angela Dawkins backstage. They have words and here comes Zelina Vega with Andrade. More arguing. Charlie Caruso walks up and asks what's the video Dawkins is teasing. He calls someone to roll the tape. 
And guess what the tape is? It's not the most obvious concept with showing Vega poisoning Montez. Oh, it was that. Oh, okay. So that was it. That was it. I mean, this wasn't the spider in the fucking cage thing with Eric Rowan, but woo! Jesus fucking Christ. What the hell was this, Chris? And can't they ever just do something creative? Like, it's either they don't know what the hell they're going to do or they do the most obvious thing. So stupid. I mean, the creative thing would have been Angel Garza taking away, you know, Andrade's manager, but they somehow fucked up that storyline. Um, I don't know. This is all fucking terrible. It's all bad. Raw got bad. <laughs> Still bad. Uh, yes, I agree with you. It's 100%. not, not going to get any better, man, because I'm pissed about this next thing. We have a match with now Talia with Lana. They're, they're social influencers. So they're doing TikTok videos and all that crap. They look absolutely fucking ridiculous. And the returning ex-multiple women's champion, one of the best female wrestlers and wrestlers of her generation, period, Mickey James, has her return since she's been injured. And not only, I don't even know what the fuck happened in the match because Seth Rollins comes out uh, with Murphy and walks up to the announce table. Rollins asks Joe's how he knows Rey Mysterio will be there tonight. Uh, the action continues in the ring uh, while Mickey mounts offense. Mickey drops Natalia, kips up for a pop as Joe and Rollins continue arguing back and forth. And Natalia ends up knocking Mickey to the floor as Lana plays her role at ringside. Lana yells at the referee as she counts while Joe and Rollins continue their back and forth. Mickey gets counted out. Winner, Natalia. After the match, Natalia begins celebrating as her music hits. Lana is filming Mickey on a TikTok video at ringside. Mickey recovers and drops Lana on the floor. Rollins takes the mic now and continues yelling at Joe over revealing uh, his source. Rollins says if Ray and Dominic spit in his face by showing up on his show tonight, it will be the last mistake they make, and neither of them will make it to SummerSlam. Rollins storms off to the back. So this was basically a backdrop. So... No respect for Natalia or fucking Mickey, two of them being female legends. Uh, that match was just there. They're kind of trying to do this more and more, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. I think they're test- they tested it with the Keith Lee thing, but really? And then you're going to do Mickey James. She gets thrown to the fucking outside and gets a 10 count. What the fuck? is? You could have even had Lana kick her in the head or some shit, so there's reason for it. Just disrespectful, man. Just fucking respectful. Shout out to Mickey James for being one of the most underrated female performers of all time. (laughs) Um, I liked her husband's uh, response on Twitter. As soon as it happened, Nick Aldis put the uh, little emoji with the guy with his his hands, like, you know, and his shoulders shrugged, like, "Eh, what the fuck are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, he's like, as soon as she's out of her contract, bro. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Nick, for confirming. Um,. This was weird. I'll say that. Uh, you have Natalia, who is the last big female superstar you're going to be able to put in until you get rid of the four horsewomen, who probably wrestle for the next 10 years, into the Hall of Fame, right? And this is what you get. You get Seth Rollins yelling at Samoa Joe. 
I don't understand. Like, I don't... What is Why the feud? Why did a Mickey? I don't... Uh. Who, who is the feud? Why didn't you do this during the 24-7 match if you're going to do it, first and foremost, because it was already a clusterfuck? And also, I still don't get why Seth Rollins is feuding with both... Well, I know why he's feuding with Rey Mysterio's son, but why is he feuding with Joe again? How long ago did this happen? Just happened. It's because Joe stuck up for... uh, What's his name? Todd Phillips. When he was about to whoop his ass. So Seth is mad because he hates Todd Phillips. Well, yeah, when he was when he was getting beaten by uh, whatever the fuck his name is, Dominic, uh, Todd Phillips was in ear reach and was cheering for him. So that's where they went with it. So earlier in the show, MVP, you told me MVP said that Samoa Joe is almost back, and this is the best way you can promote. Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins. Former title matches in Ring of Honor. This is the best thing you can come up with. But what about the concept of, of I don't know, Rollins bumping into Joe during the match with, with Dominic and then, and then him just getting in the fucking ring, suplexing his ass and causing him the match, basically. They could, uh, they could get it back in there. I mean, yeah, I guess. Or choking his ass out. Like, I mean, can... The thing is, everyone doesn't think that Joe's uh, you know, cleared yet. So if he just does something, because he almost got fined because he's not an active wrestler. That's why they, he couldn't touch Seth during that fucking whatever the hell, where they signed the contracts and shit. I'm just trying to fucking make sense of things, man. I'm sorry. I mean, I, got, I have a good in- inclination that Samojo's contract's probably almost up. And when he's gone, he's gone. (laughs) So they need to do something with him. And if the idea is, like, we'll give you a feud with Seth to make that better, good luck. It hasn't worked with the last few people that you've tried to do this with. Um, I don't know. Hopefully Dominic and Seth have a great match. I'm pretty sure it'll be good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, if you've gotten trained by people like I don't know, your dad, Ray Mysterio Jr., Booker T, Lance Storm, and now you're at the Performance Center with Shawn Michaels and Norman Smiley and fucking, you know, Terry Taylor. I think that you'll be okay. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> this one got me. Rollins is the one bumping and feeding for you. I think you'll be all right. <laughs> that one got me tilted earlier when you sent me that. I was like, who are these fucking people that think that Dominic's not going to have a good match? He's not had a match. How do you know he's not going to have a good match? This guy could be fucking incredible. He's Ray's son, for Christ's sakes. I mean, all he has to do is hit, like, six spots. It's a hardcore match. It's not like a fucking... You're asking him to do 60 minutes or some shit. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know there's David San Martino's and Greg Gagne's and David Flair's out there, but I think Dominic will be fine. I think he'll be fine. If right, Orange so, Cassidy is fine, then I think Dominic will probably be fine. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. So we had the Golden Role Models against Asuka and Shayna Baszler. And uh, we have the Women's Tag Team Champions, Raw Women's Champion, Sasha Banks, and the SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey in the ring. We talk about Asuka earning two title shots at SummerSlam. That's right. She beat a, royal, or a uh, Battle Royal last SmackDown. Um, 
I don't know why Rhea Ripley wasn't at least involved in it. I mean, her and Mercedes Martinez could have been in there and got themselves out, so at least she's in there. But came down to Bianca, uh, Shayna, and Asuka. Bianca went out very quickly, and then it's kind of cool. We finally got the longest reigning, you know, NXT champion against the the uh, most wins uh, with with Asuka, and it was a uh, pretty awesome. That little thing, and then it ended like that. Now they're tag teaming, but Asuka is going against both Bailey for the title and Sasha Banks for the title. So that's kind of weird. Apologize if you hear my fucking annoying goddamn roommate's so, dog. So question. Yes. If Asuka wins, does she win both titles WWE style? If she beats Bailey and she beats Sasha, yeah, she beats both. So it's elimination. No, no, they're both individual matches. She's got Bailey in a match for the title, and she's got because they had that 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 SmackDown. The way they got around that is they said we're gonna have NXT SmackDown and Raw people in this battle royal, and she was a part of it, and she fucking won. She beat Shayna at the end of it. So she gets one title shot off that. Well, she already she already beat Bailey to get a title shot against Sasha on Raw uh, last week. So she has two title shots against yep. one, and then one title shot against the other. Yep, both of them are are Oscar. Mm. Okay, so she she gets two chances against Bailey and one chance against Sasha. No, she gets one chance against Bailey and one chance against uh, Sasha. No, but if she wanna if she wanna match. Yeah, she uh, would. I got. I, I no. I I get it. It's just dumb. Um, so they're not doing a three-way. They're doing two singles matches. Yep. So I'm assuming EO loses and then comes and makes the save in one of these matches for Asuka to win the championship. I have a theory. I have a theory, but we'll we'll, we'll get to it. We'll we'll go over, uh, after SmackDown, we'll go over the SummerSlam card. And then we'll do NXT and TakeOver. Um, but yeah. It's uh, it's if they do what I think, it'll be interesting, but they probably won't because this is this company. Um, can I will say this before we move forward? Can we get rid of people having multiple belts? No fucking shit. Two things, two trends. I don't want to see any more fake belts and fucking double champions. No more. Any company. This goes for you, AEW, as well with this fake TNT title that Brody's currently. Even New Japan with walking the around with like fuck. Yeah, the New Japan one's even more frustrating because it's like that's the one thing about New Japan is that the title is so respected, and now they're starting to do American shit, and you're like, no, stop. Yeah. God, this is so much bullshit dialogue, and that dog is bark. Can you hear that dog in the background? No, I mean, that's just all you. All right, cool. So they talk about Oscar earning the two title shots at SummerSlam. They act upset over the match, but change their tune and say that they can't wait because they will finally have a night off. <laughs> they say Oscar thinks she's so smart by entering the Tri-Brand Battle Royal, but she's just stupid. They go on about Oscar being stupid. Banks says there's no chance in hell Oscar can beat them both in one night. And they kind of made it look like, well, maybe she, she can. Uh, they go back and forth over who will beat Asuka first at SummerSlam. 
Bailey agrees to beat Asuka first, so Banks can then retain her title without breaking a sweat. Banks thanks her and says then uh, finally they can go celebrate because life is good and no one can stop them. Bailey says they will celebrate all the way to payback where they will successfully defend their WWE Women's Tag Team uh, titles. Yeah, so they're going the next week and they're going to lose all their titles back to back to back, I think. They take shots at various tag teams and joke about Kari Sane being gone. The music interrupts and out comes Shayna Baszler. Baszler says... Whoever has the Raw Women's title after SummerSlam, she has next. Asuka music hits. Next, and out she comes. Asuka rants down the ramp in Japanese as and says tonight she will fight against both of them, and Baszler will have to fight with her before she fights against her. Baszler and Asuka storm to the ring for the fight, and the ch- champs retreat to the floor. Uh, Bailey starts with Asuka and takes Okay, well... We'll go down to the end of the match, because that's what I always do, because I'm not writing six fucking paragraphs of this shit. All right, so Baszler fights off a, uh, a double team and sends Banks to the floor. Baszler with a gun suplex to Bailey, then another big knee. Banks uh, gets Bailey out of the Kudafita clutch. Asuka takes out Banks and ends up on the floor with her. With the Asuka lock applied, Banks is tapping on the floor. The chaos leads to Baszler, dropping Bailey into the Kudafita clutch. Bailey eventually taps for the finisher. So basically both ladies, Shayna and Asuka, beat them and made them both tap out like little bitches. After the match, Baszler's music hits, and she stands tall in the ring. Asuka is down on the floor trying to recover. Just a few feet away from the floor are the golden role models also trying to recover. So we also find out that Shawn Michaels is going to be back later on. Uh, But uh, yeah, man, Uh, I thought the match was good. Uh, from what I remember of it, at least. Um, and I like that they're pushing Shayna in a more dominant position. I really think that we're going to get Asuka and Shayna, and I think Asuka's probably going to get that Raw title. Uh, I'll give the rest of my theories, like I said, when we get to that. But um, what do you think about this? And how do you are, – are you happy they're finally acknowledging Shayna and Asuka in the same fucking space since they've been a part of the same show for, I don't know, a couple of months now? I'm trying to think of the way to pose this. Um, yes, I am glad that they're teasing us event- the eventuality of, of, of Shayna versus Asuka. But the Asuka two title match thing is kind of there and weird. And Charlotte will be back after this pay-per-view, right? Oh, I hope so. I miss her. So I guess you could say I'm a mark. <laughs> yeah, well, someone has to be a mark for Charlotte since all of the internet hates her. <laughs> but um, I don't, I, I don't know how to feel about this because I don't know where the booking really goes. It's, it's you, once again, you tied your titles up within, you tied four, four belts <laughs> within two people. You haven't built any tag teams. Is the idea that? I mean, are they going to continue the two-belt thing? Is Asuka going to team with, you know, she's going to win a title and then team with Shayna and then win a title and have two belts? Is this just going to be a forever continuation? Do you want Do you want me to give you my theory that's probably not going to happen because it makes too much sense? Sure, I'll probably like it. 
All right, so this is actually, I'll give it, this is Solomonster's idea, but the original part I heard from someone else that suggested the first half. All right, so what you do, this all goes to all the women's matches that are involved in this. You have a hair versus hair match with Mandy Rose and, uh, what's she called, Sonya Deville. You have Sonya beat Mandy. Before Mandy gets her head shaved, her dumb boyfriend, who we, we know is not going to fucking win the title, comes out, says to Sonya, here, take the briefcase and just don't shave my baby's head. Just don't fucking do it. So, of course, Sonya goes, fuck that. Yeah, I'll take that. She now has the briefcase. So later on, you have the first match for the Raw title. And, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, like, Asuka goes out and she beats, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, fuck, what's her name? Um, Bailey or Sasha, depending on Sasha, who they put it. Sasha, the Raw title. So you, you, you have it so that she beats Sasha. And Bailey's there, and she didn't fucking, she either caused the loss or she didn't help, you know, make sure that Asuka didn't win. So you already have, you know, someone pissed off in Sasha Banks for that whole entire thing. Asuka's got one champion. She goes against the uh, other person, and Shayna Baszler's already said she wants to rip Asuka's head off, basically. So during that match, you know, Shayna fucking causes Asuka, or you could either have her you know, come out, smack her in the back of the head, do something like that to cause friction between the two of them. And, you know, you have a win with Bailey, or Bailey loses to Asuka. Either way, Sonya Deville comes out, she fucking cashes in the thing, and she takes out whatever person, and now you have her against Mandy for the title on SmackDown. Both of the, both the golden role models don't have their titles anymore, and Shayna Baszler and Asuka on Raw for the Raw title. And now you have three different storylines you've now set up, and it's three different things that you can do going forward. But I think that makes too much sense, Chris. This is where I ask you, what do you think? You might be on mute, by the way. So you're going to put the title on Shayna? No, 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 no. Shayna just gets involved in the match and possibly... You can you can take Shayna out of it completely. She said she's going after the Raw title regardless of whoever the fuck gets it. So if if Asuka beats uh, Sasha Banks for the Raw title, first match that they have, and then you know maybe Bailey causes that, or you know she doesn't deflect it or whatever, then Asuka goes against Bailey. You could have Bailey get a win from it, especially if Shayna gets involved and fucks over Asuka because she wants her on Raw for the title. She wants to cause some shit with her, so she causes her that second title. Bailey wins, and then right away, Sonya Deville comes out, cashes in, and beats Bailey for the title. And now so you have Asuka as the Raw champion going against Shayna Baszler, and you have Sonya Deville as the SmackDown champion going against Mandy Rose, and you have this tension. That's finally going to happen between Bailey and and Sasha when they lose their fucking tag titles the next week on uh, Payback or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so I I miss I I misspoke my question. My question was like, you're going to put the belt on uh, Sonya Deville? Yeah, I think she deserves it. I think she she can do some shit. It's better than the fuck whatever they're doing the same thing over and over again. I don't want Oscar with both titles. I mean, I would. I I think there's a way to revitalize that feud. Similar to what you were saying, instead of uh, Otis coming out, maybe Sonya wins the match and then just she doesn't shave her hair because she loves Mandy. 
and that's a cool storyline. And that's the storyline they've been gunning for, and this is an easy way to get there. Um, it's very sweet, right? They won't do that either, dang, so don't, don't fucking worry. It'll be some kind of fuckery. Um, Most likely yeah, it's no. stupid. Yeah, I like I like the storyline you gave. I, I I mean, you gotta split. You gotta you gotta split. Um, Basler and Oscar somehow. So I'm assuming that the titles have to shift. She's got to win. Oscar's got to win one of the titles, and uh, the setup is probably a feud between Bailey and and Banks, right? I mean, I know they've teased it for so long, but they're kind of shittering it off the pot because they've gave them all of the titles at this point. Yep. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if that's going to happen. That's just kind of my theory, but I could see something like that happening. And if that happens, I'd be much more happier than what will probably inevitably happen, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, well, like, what if Otis wins the title? Do you think that Otis is going to win, though? Like, I don't even think that people remember he's the fucking champion anymore. I like Otis. It almost seems like they might pull the Kofi thing, where it's, like, unsuspecting. And they try to get a bump into, uh, which obviously one was naturally just happened through the fans. And one might be, like, we planned this as a surprise. Right? So, like, he he wins the title at Rumble. Or whatever. I think you should wait about ten more years, like Kofi did. <laughs> hey, man, Otis is entertaining. I mean, Otis's champion is not the worst thing that's ever ha- happened to that belt. I'll Dave put Mar- it. I'll put it in the same concept as this. I thought Enzo was entertaining as fuck. Would you really want him to have had the world heavyweight champion? If he had a faction around him, sure. So reasoning, okay, yeah. But, like, Otis winning this title randomly, he has money in the bank. The entire idea is that gives you the opportunity to screw someone else over. It's not like you're beating them fucking clean. Like, if he beats the Fiend clean and the Fiend's, like, sending him through this weird digital world that they're obsessed with and he just keeps busting through the wall like fucking Kool-Aid band, sure. Why not? Because otherwise the title picture sucks on SmackDown anyways. So why do I give a shit? (laughs) I feel you. I definitely feel you. Sorry, I have to let the fucking dogs out in this goddamn house. They won't shut up. I mean, like, could you imagine little Bray's little, like, set, and then all of a sudden you hear, oh, yeah, and Otis busts Stop. through the wall and knocks all the puppets down? That'd be great. It'd be oh, great. Oh, my God. I hope <laughs> they don't hear your idea. Holy shit. I mean, they don't have to hear my idea. That's already what they're doing with the guy. Oh, my Except- God. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to put it back on Braun. Well, Braun. Oh, apparently. I, I mean, like Otis is is a good transitional champion to get it away from what is Bray Wyatt in the Fiend if he just shows up all dumb and then like you could just play it off as like Bray's mind games don't work on Otis because he's dumb. <laughs> yeah, he's like he doesn't understand it, so he just like has a happy time with the puppets. Like he yeah, I'm playing with the puppets. I'm not saying like do a full on Forrest Gump kind of thing, but at the I same think time, you do a full on Forrest Gump type of thing. 
Sure. I mean, it'll get you out of where they're booked, where they book themselves into, where people are just dying in swamps. Yeah, I, I still don't understand Alexa Bliss, and I, well, we'll we'll get to that. Holy fuck! All right, so next, God damn, this show's so fucking long. Back from the break. And the WWE United States Champion, Apollo Crews, is backstage with Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, and Mustafa Ali. Crews thanks them for having his back earlier. Crews says he's picked Ali and Lash, or picked Ali and, wasn't that, Lashley? Ricochet for the sixth man against the Hurt Business tonight. Cedric, who is still seeing or selling the full Lashley submission, isn't thrilled about this. Crews says he figured Cedric just needed the night off to rest. Cedric says he and Ricochet are supposed to be a tag team. Ali and Ricochet talk Cedric into just resting tonight, and he agrees. All four walk off together. Randy Orton walks over in deep thought about something. He watches them walk away and turns the other direction, staying in his thoughts. And then we get back from another commercial. Shawn Michaels is backstage with Drew McIntyre now. Shawn understands Drew getting upset over Ric Flair. But he's got to calm it down some because Orton is going, uh, will use all the anger against him. Sean says Drew needs to refocus and kick Orton's head off at SummerSlam. Sean says Drew has gone too far and worked too hard to mess this up for himself. Drew talks about becoming WWE champion, also thanking Sean for his help along the way. Drew can't help but... uh, be mad because of what Orton has done to legends as of late. Sean admits Drew's journey has been tough, but that's what WWE Champion is all about. He says all that adversary is tailor-made for Drew McIntyre, and he won't let anyone down. Sean recalls uh, Drew continued to work hard and watch film with him while Drew was injured. That's the Drew McIntyre Sean knows, the one who beat Brock Lesnar and set the WWE title free from being held hostage. Sean tells Drew he deserves to be where he's at, and he needs to go into SummerSlam and show the world who he is. Sean also needs Drew to promise he will give him his space when he goes to the ring to confront Orton, because that's such a fucking good idea. Sean walks off, and Drew thanks him. So, and then Tom says, we will hear from Sean again later. He hypes up Orton versus McIntyre. Uh, I like this because this is continuity. When Sean first got to NXT, uh, one of the people that was in his class, was one of the first guys that he got to work with, was Drew McIntyre. And, you know, him bringing up, which might be true or not true, that he was studying stuff through his injury with Sean there, helping him out as mentor. I like bringing that kind of around full, full circle. We'll get a part, like I said, where MVP like kind of puts doubt in Cedric's head about why didn't they pick you? You know, are they do they not think that you're good enough for this? And we see that forming. Um, how'd you like both these segments, Chris? I thought they were both very well done. The only complaint I would have is Sean talking about like, hey, I totally understand how it's not to be booked on top. Because Sean has always been booked as like one of the most over people ever in his history of WWF, um, but outside of that, I, I like. He was talking segments. about uh, 1991 or 1990. 
Oh, like where they first came in and then broke that guy's neck on the the rock and drop, or whatever they called it. Oh. They also yeah, beat the rock- jobbers in that match. So I, I don't know what Sean is on about. <laughs> It'd be like if if Triple H is like, you have to go through the hard times. Yeah, you're like, in what world, Triple H? <laughs> in what world? It's like, you know, we had to go through some hard times. Shane Helms, some hard times. You know, baby, who else had to go through some hard times? Never mind. Um, the Iconics are backstage mocking Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. Billy Kay reveals that Peyton Royce will take her place in the match against Riot tonight. Peyton hesitates, but she's all for it. There's there's tension now between the two of them, between the Iconics. I don't know why you would try to break them up since I think the only thing they have going for them is being with each other, but apparently Vince sees a lot of money in Peyton Royce. And if I were to be honest with you, in ring-wise, Peyton's definitely better than Billy, but whatever. Anyways, Peyton hesitates, but she's all for it. They call Liv Trash, and Ruby steps up to them, telling them never to call her that again or else. Liv pulls Riot away as the accountants mock them. The camera pans, and we see Shayna Baszler talking to horsewomen, uh, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir from NXT. The Iconics wonder who they are. And back to commercial. Back from the break, Tom leads us with a tape package on the retribution has done the last few weeks, you know, laughing and going, yeah, yeah, when they're throwing cinder blocks into fucking windows because that's exactly what they would do in that situation. Or throwing Molotov cocktails right the fuck next to, you know, like two feet away from them with an electrical outlet. You know, smart shit like that. Really smart terrorists. Anyways. Um, so we have Ruby Riot against Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce won. Um, there was some, some tomfoolery and some bullshit. But Peyton wins, and after the match, the Iconics stand tall as your music hits. We go to replays. The Iconics taunt live and Riot from the ramp as they recover from the ring. And, yeah. that's uh, that was That was it. There was a situation in there, Chris, where... Basically, Ruby Riot, like the week prior when Liv Morgan was in the match, and Ruby tried to help her out, and she ended up causing her the match. The same thing happened. I think it's called 50-50 booking. Yeah. So I have a question for you. No. What happened to the Underground Fight Club? Well, it's coming. Is it? Yep. <laughs> Fortunately. Okay. We haven't even done there yet. Um... Imagine looking at your entire female roster and thinking that Peyton Royce is the person you should push. Yeah. It's very, uh, very, very good point. There's this uh, other athlete named Bianca Belair that's had great well, matches with people and is very popular with the fans. Fortunately, it, it was Bianca Belair and Peyton Royce, the two females he sees the most potential in. Well, one's on main event, and one is filtering my fucking TV on Raw with bullshit finishes, so I can only go on what I see on TV. (laughs) Oh, well, no. Bianca's been back, but that's because her man got poisoned. Because we have to do that. You know, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae? Yeah, it's pretty good. I I love this. I loved all of this, Dave. It was... was (laughs) It was good TV. 
I, you know what? I popped some popcorn. I sat down. I sat down in my Lazy Boy and looked at this, and I said, mmm, the fucking Iconics are on screen. Let me watch this shit, because it's done so well for you guys thus far. Can't wait for Peyton Royce to be the next up. And I just started shoving popcorn in my mouth. It got caught in my beard. It was a whole thing. I can't believe how much more of the show that we have. This is fucking ridiculous. All right, well, like, skip. Just say a match and or say a segment in match and don't break it down, and I'll tell you if it sucked or not. Because right. This sounds more fun. All right, so... <laughs> God damn it. We're finally here for Raw Underground, Chris. And... Um... I lost my spot by looking over to see how much bullshit we had to fucking do. All right. Shane McMahon talking security guard, Jordan Mbagahan, who is huge and has been trained by every fucking big guy. Matt Bourne's worked with him a lot, obviously, because he's one of the head trainers at NXT. They've had Kevin Nash come out and work with them. The Big Show, Mark Henry. You know, this guy they've been working on for two years. He's a fucking security guard on this fucking Raw Underground. Whatever. Then we have Ivar and Dolph Ziggler inevitably getting into a fight, and uh, Ziggler beats, or not Ivar, Eric, and after he beats him, Ivar gets mad after being in the turkey fucking thing angle. He's now, without makeup, all pissed, and challenges Ziggler for next week. Um, yeah, that was that. Do you want to comment on any of that? Dolph Ziggler, please do not show up in my house and shoot on me, but this fucking angle sucked, bro. I know, man. All right, so we go back to the ring, and now comes Rey Mysterio and Dominic. Um, basically, Ray talks about an eye for an eye with extreme rules and how, you know, he believes in Dominic, and he thinks that, you know, he's scared for him, but he thinks that he'll be able to, you know, do a good job and beat him and all that stuff. And Rollins and Murphy appear on the big screen. Rollins can't believe they came tonight. He didn't uh, take Ray for an idiot coming to Rollins' ring and putting Dominic in harm's way this close to SummerSlam. Rollins says Ray is doing this for his own personal glory because it's always been about Ray. He's so selfish. What kind of father are you? Rollins goes on and says all that could have been prevented if Ray accepted his role for the greater good. Ray, of course, wouldn't. Ray and Dominic hit the floor as soon as Rollins and Murphy enter the ring. Rollins and Ray uh, go back uh, up his – or. Ray, uh, Rollins tells Ray to back up his words now. Rollins and Murphy taunt them. Ray tells Dominic to wait near the timekeeper's area as he teases getting in the ring. Dominic pulls a few kendo sticks from the timekeeper's area. Ray distracts Rollins, and they both beat the living fuck out of them. And the music hits, and Ray and Dominic stand tall together in the ring. That's not a good sign, usually, for, for Dominic. Just gonna, I'm just going to say that. What do you think? feel like they wrote this in like Ray smart enough to get Dominic a win out of this when he signed that contract. So I feel like Dominic's going to win. And uh, yeah, this was fine. Uh, it's a waste of Buddy Murphy, but it was fine. It's always a waste of Buddy Murphy. I like, uh, you know, Ray's fucking probably the best baby face they have. <laughs> this is a good promo by Ray. Yep. All right, so Cedric Alexander, that, that part happened where he's in the back all like, aw, and MVP comes in and is like, I'm the devil! And, you know, he's he's basically like, wait, why did they question your abilities, man? Like, why are you out of this match? And Cedric's all sad, and he tells him to fuck off, but then he's moping afterwards. 
So Cedric's gonna he's gonna fuck someone over. Um, yeah. Then we go back to Raw Underground, and we got Arturo Huas, who was on the first two episodes of NXT when it went to cable. I liked him. He's from Evolve, and then he's been null and void, and now they're bringing him back because he's an ex MMA fighter. But uh, him and Riddick, Rid- or Riddick Moss uh, went at it. They start going. Um, the brawl goes back and forth for a few minutes until tumble to the floor, still going at it. They end up dropping a few of extras and facing off. As Shane gives them props for the fight. Shane says Raw Underground will return. So it didn't even go anywhere. How are you on Raw Underground? Don't you wish that they just put Arturo in NXT and let him just be a badass and we had some awesome wrestling matches with him and maybe Timothy Thatcher or something or Tommaso Ciampa or something? No? I mean, he no, looks I... like fucking Vandalay Silva's cousin. I just have to agree with you. Like, it sucks. I don't know what to say. Is there anyone that's still on the Raw Underground train? After this week, are there fans out there who's like, no, this is cool. You guys just don't understand. Is there anyone still out there on the internet that is like, you, you got to give it time. Are you asking if there's stupid, biased WWE wrestling fans that are saying something's good but not? Yes, of course. There's like five fucking million of them. Look, wrestling is already fake fighting. And I, I hate using the term fake. But to try to have them utilize shoot fighting, but then have them hit their actual wrestling spots, a.k.a. Dolph Ziggler, uh, Ivar, etc., in the shit while Seth, Mc, like Seth, uh, not Seth, uh, Shane McMahon is yelling over top of it, is fucking terrible. Especially if you're going to cut right back right after this and have a normal ass wrestling match. You can't do both. It's the same thing as Brawl for All, but shittier. Because at least for Brawl for All, they were legitimately fighting. <laughs> so this is like someone thought they saw that uh, was it Beyond the Ropes or whatever the fuck documentary, and they're like, we should bring back the Brawl for All, or they watched Fight Club and was like, we should totally do that. But the problem is, unless you're doing this all the time, it takes away from the entire rest of your fucking show. Well, maybe it'll be different in the Thunderdome. <laughs> I, I doubt it. But, like, you know, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, it's a total, it's like Pancreas, it's a total shoot thing with wrestlers, and they make that work, and it's good. Um, you can't do both. You gotta choose one or the other, and, and all this shit fucking sucks. I, I completely, I, I agree with you. Um, Six-man, Hurt Business versus Apollo Crews, Ricochet, Mustafa Ali. One thing to note, at one point, Shelton Benjamin came out with the referee. Um, or, yeah, Shelton Benjamin came out with the referee and grabbed that belt. Um, or Cedric Alexander came out with a referee and scooped up Shelton Benjamin to win the uh, 24-7 title. So maybe he's not going to join MVP because he laughed and ran out of there. Uh, anyways, doesn't really matter. Uh, at the end of the match, the Hurt Business would win. Lashley runs right in and uploads on Cruz while he's still down for the pin. Lashley whips Cruz into the ropes, but Cruz nails a flying shoulder block. Cruz hits two kicks to the back of the neck, bringing Lashley to his knees. Cruz with an enziguri to bring him down, then a standing moonsault for a two count. 
Lashley avoids the toss powerbomb and goes for a full Lashley again, which is a full Nelson. Uh, they tangle and counter, but Lashley comes right back with a spear. In the middle of the ring, Lashley covers for the pin. And after the match, MVP and Benjamin join Lashley in the ring. As their music hits, they taunt Cruz while he's down, then pose over him. MVP kneels down to talk some trash to Cruz's face as Tom hypes the match for Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. it was fine. Continue the feud, right? But I here's a question for you. Bobby Lashley only lost against the heavyweight champion of the world because of Lana, right? Yep. So that's what they're doing with Bobby Lashley now? This is this is where we're at? I have to say I don't get I mean, as much as I like MVP going for the U.S. title, I don't know why Lashley's not going for the U.S. title. I mean, MVP's kind of the manager, almost. Why is he not going for the heavyweight title? Because Bobby Lashley's beat everyone he faced. And he barely lost. The only reason he lost was because of Lana. And I'm not saying that I'm the hugest Bobby Lashley fan in the entire world. It's just sensible booking. Yes. Um, this was fine because of where, I mean, where they're going with their storylines, this was fine. It wasn't fine in the sense of like, and once again, and I will repeat this, I am not a huge Bobby Lashley fan. So do not be like, well, Bobby Lashley's not that great in the ring. He had a good match with Drew McIntyre. So if you're looking for someone to get in there and slap meat with a big dude, Bobby Lashley. (laughs) Did a pretty fucking good job in that match. That's probably one of the best Bobby Lashley matches I've ever seen, minus maybe him and EC3 and TNA, uh, you know, seven years ago. I have to agree. He had a 24-7 match. Kirtazov versus Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin won. Or, no, uh, why does it say Shelton Benjamin? Cedric Alexander. God damn it, this person that wrote this. Does no one spell check on this fucking website or check this shit? Cedric won, so he still has the belt. He got the lumbar check. Stand it tall. It was cool. Now we go back to Raw Underground! Um, Dolph Ziggler versus Ivar is announced for next week. We have Marina Shafir, uh, Jasmine Duke, and Shayna Baszler who show up. They want to fuck some shit up. They're about to fight some women. And then fucking Nia Jax comes in. And she takes out both of the other ladies. Her and Baszler square off. And then Nia Jax dips the fuck out. So she's been kicked off and suspended from Raw. But she can come to Raw Underground. I don't give a fuck about Shayna Baszler versus Nia Jax. So keep her against Asuka and in the title picture. Keep her the fuck away from Nia Jax. That's what I think. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, Shayna Baszler actually took time to learn how to wrestle. So I'm kind of on the same fucking boat as you. I don't don't understand this. She's related. Oh my god, I don't want to go back on this. She is related to Yokozuna and Rikishi, and both of them were so agile for their fucking size. And she's nowhere near, nowhere near that size. And she is just a stumbling fucking. Size is not a thing when you see Kevin Owens do split lip mood salts and all the shit he does. It's not an excuse anymore. Like. Good point. He, and you know what? Even with their size, even with some of the bigger people from the day, say a Vader or a Bam Bam Bigelow, they didn't actively try to kill whoever they were wrestling. 
Um, so the Nia Jax experience to me, I don't care if she's related to The Rock, is kind of fucking over. <laughs> I agree, man. I this is the best. This is the best situation to put her into where she doesn't have to do any actual moves. <laughs> because if she has to do moves, someone's getting injured. If I was Carrie Zane, I would have fucking left WWE too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we have Andrade against Montez Ford, and this is a good match. Montez was like pissing vinegar in this. Uh, towards the end, uh, Ford mounts more mom- momentum and then hits a standing moonsault for a close two count. Andrade sends Ford back with a shot to the chest. Ford comes back with a big hurricane rana, bringing Andrade down from the top. Ford gets hyped up, and Vega gets on the apron for distraction, also distracting the referee as they go to the top. Bianca Belair ends up running down to defend her husband. Vega jumps off the apron, but uh, Belair catches her. Uh, Belair slams Vega on the floor. The chaos leads to Ford rolling a distracted Andrade up for the pin and the win. Winner Montez Ford after the match, Street Profits and Belair regroup on the ramp and celebrate as they go to replays. Vega and her crew try to recover as Belair and the Prophets celebrate. This is the last match before the big Shawn Michaels thing. What'd you think about this? Is Raw still going? Are you still talking about this? I thought this was decent. Um, God, I gotta find it in my notes. Do you think this is the most predictable fucking angle that could possibly have gone with this poison thing? Probably, and also, they should have ended this little combination of Zelina and Andrade way sooner. I agree. So, I mean, they're going to have a good match. It's going to be fine. Like, match-wise, like, those are all great athletes. They have good matches. But no one's going to give a fuck about it. Nope. Well, you know what they're going to give a fuck about? Talked a little bit earlier. Bum, 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 bum. Ah! Ah! You think he's cute. You know he's sexy, even though he's now, like, 60. Uh, I love Shawn Michaels. The crowd chants HBK as Shawn Michaels takes the mic. He says he wishes he was here on a more excited note. But he wants us to look at something. We see a clip of last week's emotional speech by WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair to Randy Orton right before Orton attacked the Nature Boy. Sean now gets emotional when talking about Flair. He says, without Flair, some of WWE's greats wouldn't exist. Batista, Edge, Blade, Shawn Michaels, Big Show, others. Sean goes on about Flair and says that goes for Orton too, but he doesn't respect or care for Flair like the others. He goes on about Orton not being appreciative not having gratitude that the other greats have, feeling like he was owed everything and deserved everything. Sean can't promise how it will happen, but it's going to happen. Orton will either meet his justice at SummerSlam on the end of a sweet chin music or a claymore from champion Drew McIntyre. But he promises Orton will see it coming at SummerSlam. Music hits and Sean's turns. To leave, but Orton attacks from behind, dropping Sean with an RKO out of nowhere and immediately going for the big punt as Sean, as, as people start booing from the audience. McIntyre rushes to the ring, but Orton retreats. We already talked about this. Like I said, Sean went down. He started slowly getting back up. 
uh, as Drew McIntyre entered the ring going, Randy, you bastard, how could you do this? I mean, I don't know why Sean told him not to come to the fucking ring with him. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. I mean, of course it's going to happen. But Randy tried to fake or try to do it. Drew got away from the RKO. It was actually kind of decently planned. Randy went back out in the audience, fled, waited a little while for Drew to get uh, distracted again, finally got him. And then Drew McIntyre is completely out cold while Shawn Michaels, who just got punted and RKO'd, is trying to like look over him. So kind of get we talked about it earlier. I think Shawn was like, Really? You're gonna fucking talk about NXT guys like this? All right, I'll show you motherfucker and no sold it. Uh, or no didn't sell it as much as you probably should have. He should have been out cold. Every other fucking person was done. I really wish that this was the part where they put Ric Flair in. Because I think it would have meant more as a go-home, like I said, to SummerSlam. But they went this way. I think Sean's going to get involved in the match. I don't think he's going to have a match with Randy afterwards. But I think he is going to give him a fucking sweet chin music to help out Drew, possibly. There could be that. I don't know who's going to win that match. It's very much up in the air. Because Drew can have help from Sean. And Rick, who might not have actually gotten punt because the light went out, could fucking help out Randy. It's actually decently uh, unpredictable. So uh, I'll put it that way. But, uh... I mean, I love Shawn Michaels. What do you think, Chris? So thinking back on this, when Randy punted him in the head, if Shawn was going to get back up, wouldn't it have been the perfect time for Shawn to pull the Ric Flair to say no, no more, and then Randy Orton go, thank you, I'm sorry, and then punt him in the fucking head? No, because that's like against Randy's character of being like good. Yeah, but it's sarcastic. Oh, that if he did it like that with a smile on his face, that would have been awesome. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, uh, So the whole Sean thing is the biggest deterrent from this. But, it, I mean, you know, Drew and, and Randy will have a good match. It'll be not my kind of wrestling match. It's going to be very fucking slow-paced and methodical. It's going to be watching Triple H versus Triple H. To some extent. Triple H's uh, protégés. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think there is a huge possibility. There's some outside interference. My gut feeling is that they want the belt on Randy, which, you know what? After the past, like, two or three months with Randy cutting promos and how good he's been, it's it's, it's hard to debate. And Who do you think... Sorry, you can finish your thought. I apologize. No, I was just going to say, it's not really the time for Drew McIntyre with there being no crowd there. Because the entire gimmick was he had the pump up on the kick, and they had a, a thing that people could get behind. And he is the dominant Goldberg-type guy, uh, and there's no crowd there. So you don't know the reaction. Whereas you know that, like Orton, as I've said in the past shows, is a known quantity. And this is a good way, if you, if you fuck finish him, this is a good way to get you know, the belts off of them. Yeah, so I was going to say, right now in the landscape, who is the, I guess, better heel between Randy Orton and MJF? I mean, I'm not even 100% sure that MJF is the best heel on his own product, so I'm going to have to go Orton. Is he better than The Rock? Is MJF better than The Rock? Yeah, 99 Rock. I I, I think he's, like, better. 
It's a serious question. Well, you see, if if you look and analyze it, it back in '99, you know, Rock had five years from you know with his family that helped him get to where he was, and uh, you know, uh, MJF is just on that same level. Isn't MJF just quoting like the Dark Knight and doing EC3's gimmick from TNA? Or did I miss something in poor imperative of MJF? I'm just, you know, I'm just going by Mr. David. I love well, him. I want to, I want to smoke weed with Dave Metzler. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely smoke weed with Dave <laughs> Metzler. But also, like, you know, MJF is a great promo. He's a great delivery. He's really good at what he's doing. Like, I'm just not taking away from MJF at all. But in storyline, he's feeding with a guy that. They built nothing towards. And he's uh, doing a presidential gimmick that already existed in the past with EC3 and kind of with Harley Race to some extent. Like, Harley did this thing, too. So, I mean, they get where they're what they're going for. But, like, if you look at Monday Night Raw and you look at what Randy Orton has been cutting week after week after week after week with promos, and I'm not even a fucking Randy Orton fan... It's really hard for me to say that MJF is better than Randy Orton. Is he better at delivery? Is he better at cutting the promo itself? Maybe. But does the promo make any fucking sense? Because at the end of the day, if the promo doesn't make any sense and you cut a good promo, is it a great promo? Yeah. I agree. So, you, you, Dave Meltzer, if you're listening to this, you can at me on Twitter and convince me on why MJF is this much better. Because I like MJF. I like MJF is probably one of the best hills in the business. Um, that laying on the mat shit and looking at the sky, it didn't connect at all. It came off very Ultimate Warrior where it didn't make any sense what he was talking about. Was he talking about... Was he talking about where it's a work so that John like John Moxley can beat all of his opponents because they're all so weak? Or what what the hell was that? I mean, if we're really breaking down the promos versus what Randy Orton's been cutting, where he's like, I'm the baddest motherfucker in the business. I'm a thirteen time champion. I'm the best. I punt legends in the head. Like Randy hasn't put himself into this situation where it's like, is it a work or is it a shoot? And like also vote for me for president. So if you're asking me which one's a better promo with my mindset of what wrestling is, the fucking Randy Orton promos have been better. I'm sorry, MJF. You're a great promo, great delivery once again. And then throwing in random lines from the Dark Knight doesn't help your case. I would dial that shit back a little bit. But, uh, I, I didn't understand half of his fucking promo. Like, it was well-delivered, but, you know, you know who else is a good fucking promo that's not delivered very well? Or is delivered very well, but you never understand what's going on? Bray Wyatt. What's he doing right now? He's... Oh, man, you know what? The legs of the craziness and the Chinese food I ate last night? Yes. There's, there's fucking more to wrestling than just saying shit. <laughs> yep. Uh, Warrior is the number one example of that. Uh, all right, so all right, so let's go over this card for SummerSlam Sunday night, man. I'm excited. Uh, first, we have, and this is like in no order. Like this is just Wikipedia what they gave me, so I don't know what the match order is. Just give you guys a warning. I don't know what the pre-show matches are. That has not been announced. I'm sure they'll have one or two. 
um, unnecessary on a two-hour pre-show with Charlie taking Renee's spot. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Uh, Mandy Rose versus Sony Deville, hair versus hair match. One of two ways: either my scenario, or Mandy beats Sonya and Sonya shaves her head because I think Sonya could rock that look very well, and I just don't see Mandy cutting her hair more um, after getting the uh, Bailey cut. So yeah, either Sonya's about to do it, and Otis dumbly gives up his fucking briefcase for his his loves hair, or Mandy beats her and Sonya gets her hair cut. What do you think, Chris? I kind of gave a snippet to what I think would happen, um, which is Mandy will lose and there will be no haircutting. Because there's an obsession there. And I think that's a good feud going forward. Um, so that's my prediction. All right. So then we have uh, at least listed the WWE Universal Championship match. Braun Strowman versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt. They basically... Somehow, made Braun Strowman look like Gene Snitsky with a longer beard. Um, and now he's a villain. They tried to, like, hopping him back to back when he was, like, you know, the monster. And everyone was like, yeah, this guy's like, he's, this guy's like the big show meets Stone Cold. He's flipping shit over, but he was still a bad guy. But now he's just evil as fuck. He didn't care about Alexa. He fucking just body pressed her into the air and shit. Bray Wyatt now has a, some weird obsession with Alexa and back and forth, and it looks like they're they're pushing Bray the Fiend as a babyface. Here, guys, I'll help you out with this. Braun as a heel and Bray as a heel, we cheered like they were babyface because they were cool. You don't have to fucking turn them and do dumb shit like this. But I think Bray Wyatt's going to get that championship belt from Braun Strowman, and it might involve some type of interaction with Alexa Bliss, uh, possibly. Um, and then hopefully Joseph Parks turns into his alter ego abyss, comes out and choke slams the fiend. That's not going to happen. But it was cool seeing him last week. What do you think, Chris? Shot in the dark. Otis wins the title. All right. All right. I don't know if I agree with that, but still, you know. I mean, because I don't care about this match either way now because the storyline's so bad, so... You know, if I'm going to get excited about it, this is my Kofi Kingston winning Money in the Bank call-out. Otis wins the title. It's the 2020 version of Kofi Kingston wins Money in the Bank. Yep, okay. I like it. All right, so um, we had the Raw Women's Championship match. I think that this scenario, regardless of of the crap with with Sonya, I think this is going to go with Sasha Banks losing to Asuka. With Bailey, either she could have she could have stopped that from happening, or she causes it, and then we go into the match with Bailey and Oscar, and either, like I said, Shayna causes the match for Oscar because she's on Raw and she's going to go after Oscar with the Raw title, and she's sending a message, and Bailey gets the win, and uh, and what you call it, uh, Sasha's pissed, or Bailey just straight up beats Oscar, so I think Oscar's going to beat Sasha for the Raw title. And Bailey will retain against Asuka in some way for the SmackDown title. What do you think, Chris? I tend to agree with you on this one. Um, just because even though it go against everything that is WWE booking right now, 
to split the titles and uh, Sasha losing to Asuka. That would not be my pick. It would probably be Bailey losing to Asuka. Um, but it, it does make a lot of sense. I, I think it's a flip flop. She's not winning both titles. And uh, Baszler would be a, definitely, a definite side, so to speak, of whatever happens. And hopefully, maybe we get a Charlotte appearance, even if it's just on stage. Oh, Lord. Oh. Anyway, so I would love that. Uh, Dominic Mysterio with Ray in his corner against Seth Rollins with Murphy in his corner in a street fight. So obviously, this is going to become some somewhat of a four-way. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think Seth's probably going to win. I just... Do, uh, the whole WWE math. Dominic and Ray stood tall on the, you know, I, I on Raw. I, I think that Dominic's going to inevitably lose, but he's going to give a pretty damn good match. What do you think? Even though, yeah, I, I agree with you. Normal WWE booking. I'm going to go ahead and say when they renegotiated uh, Ray's contract that he probably worked in his son getting a push. So I'm going to s- assume that Dominic gets the win here. Okay, because I, gonna... like I feel like Ray's a smart enough man to be like, oh yeah, there's a pay-per-view coming up <laughs> before he yeah. signed on the dotted line um, because Dominic deserves a push if you're going to utilize him. He's a pretty good promo. We'll see how he is in the ring. And uh, it's not going to hurt Seth at all, especially in his current state with the Monday Night Messiah gimmick. Also, where the fuck is Kevin Owens? He could get involved. Samoa Joe can get involved. It's it's a it's a street fight. So it'll be interesting. So we have a singles match for the WWE United States Champion. Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin are banned from ringside. Apollo Cruz, the champion, going against MVP. I already said this. I think MVP is gonna he's gonna beat Apollo Cruz. He might cheat, but he's not gonna have any interference. He's gonna beat him and win the U.S. title. What do you think? I tend to agree with you because I don't think they're going to stop building that faction. So MVP getting the title here would make sense coming out of uh, a major pay-per-view. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Probably like a roll-up win or something weird. Some kind of fuckery. Um, and then you're trying to make a Hall Cruz the baby face that has to overcome the odds going forward. Also, they don't give a fuck about this title, so if it switches hands a bazillion times, no one cares. They sure don't care about it. All right, we got the Street Profits. Uh, Dawkins and Ford going against Andrade and Garza for the titles. Even though with all the fuckery before and the poisoning, I actually think that Angel Andrade is going to win the Raw Tag Team Championships. What do you think? I think the Street Profits retain. All right. Last match, man, listed. The big one, or the one I'm looking forward to. Well, the outcome more so than the match, because you're probably right. WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre champion going against Randy Orton. I am going to think... I tend to think Randy Orton. But I feel like there's a scenario for both ways where Sean could cause Randy the match, or Rick could cause Drew the match. So there is those aspects. Who do you think is going to win? 
I just have a feeling that Randy's going to win. I felt like it in my gut for a while, and it's mostly just because of their ratings and how things are booked. I mean, I don't know. They built Randy really well. I would not be upset uh, as far as him being champion. It's unfortunate for Drew. I could see Rick getting involved to cost Drew the match just because of that weird cutout thing they did where Randy maybe have has never poisoned him or never punted him, etc. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you see some weird things with Sean and Rick involved. I don't think this match needs it. I mean, it's Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. I think they would, could just have a pretty good match and, and Randy could come out clean to be fine. Obviously, they feel otherwise. And the fact they're building up so much stipulation around it makes me think the title's coming off Drew McIntyre. All right. Let's go to NXT. Thought this was a pretty good NXT show. It, I, it was over 800,000 um, for viewership compared to AEW's zero number. <laughs> <laughs> Smoked it. <laughs> but in reality, they did have a lot of competition, though, too. So I know that they didn't do that great in the 18 to 49 demo, but. Hey, um, at least they're doing some uh, numbers. I hope that what I really hope is that I hope that they keep on raising on these days that AEW's on a different night, and eventually they decide to jump to their own night. And Thursday would be great. I would love to watch AEW by itself and then NXT. It's fun watching them both at the same time, but it's it's fucking crazy too. Um, so NXT starts off with a the second. Chance qualifier match for TakeOver. Johnny Gargano versus Rich Holland. Johnny came to the ring with Candice LeRae. Um, I like Rich Holland's look. Actually, he's kind of an old-school-looking wrestler. I've heard people say young Brock Lesnar. Hold on, chill out. I guess look-wise what they're going for. Uh, but to me, he looks more like an old-school 1950s wrestler, like one that would, you know, fuck you up and shit. Let's talk about the big spot in this. And basically what happened, um, it looked like Johnny was going for a crossbody, and he was basically, but maybe gave too much momentum. Ridge went for a power slam, and I mean, dropped Johnny on his fucking neck. I mean, it looked bad. Uh, it was so bad that the, since it was filmed, they stopped real quick, Triple H, paramedics, Shawn Michaels, apparently, and a bunch of other people, wrestlers, all were worried around ringside while they were checking out Johnny. He swore off that he was okay. Candice is furious that he's continuing. She seemed like that in the rest of the match. Uh, especially, there was a dumb spot that did not need to happen once his neck was fucked up, where Ridge grabbed his head and did like a twirly twirl. No fucking need for that. Um, but yeah, Candice did not. She actually, she looked visibly pissed off. Like I don't, I know that she interfered at the end of the match and caused the win, but I mean that was that stood out more than anything in this match. That's really scary. And even though I don't like his persona right now, Johnny's fucking one of the best like workers they have, and I don't want to see him fucking get you know time taken off his career. Lance Storm kind of said like. 
He goes, I'm glad he's okay now, but that's going to take time, time off his fucking bump card, man. That was a major, like, move, and now he's about to be in a ladder match. I think I would have taken an audible in that one. I don't know. Uh, that just, that looked nasty. And after hearing about it and then watching it, it definitely freaked me out. That was that was one of the nastiest. I haven't seen something that fucking fucked up since a uh, Naito Kota Bushi fucking match. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is Naito and Kota Bushi's like, hey, let's see what our next can do. <laughs> so they're both in on it. <laughs> um, or so they say. Uh, yeah, that was a fucked up spot. From what I saw, he started rotating before Gargano went in the air. So when he caught him, he was already basically yep. finishing the, the move. And Gargano just got fucking flapjacked. That was very scary. I will say Mara Ranallo's selling of this, he was very worried about Johnny Gargano. So I don't know if they're, they're friends or not or how this was edited, but that was, and I shit on Ronaldo all the time, but there was some good commentary coming back after that break and into that, uh, into the break um, with him. And I thought they did a good job of cutting the match and building around it. And, uh, you know, overall it was a good match outside of that one spot. But I, I thought he had died. I even put it in the chat. I was like, holy shit. Johnny Gargano just might die in our wrestling chat um it was scary it was definitely a scary spot because he got dropped right on the side of his neck in cranium there was uh yeah it's just one of those ones where you see it and you're like yeah that sucks and then you show it to wrestling fans it's like wrestling's fake and then you show it to them and they're like oh that sucks that's not fake it's kind of one of those spots yeah man and I mean, it just looked like it when she was consoling him in the corner and Johnny's like, I'm fine. And like, Kane's like, Johnny, seriously? And then later on when Ridge was doing something towards the end of the ring and she was like, what a, like why are we doing this match still? Do you think that Candice LeRae, was that a shoot a bit from her? Like, was she actually pissed off that they were continuing the match and was she actually angry about what was going on or was she just acting like a heel? No, I think she was shoot angry because she just watched her loved one get dropped on his fucking head, right? At least they, I mean, in, in real life, they stopped this for a long period of time before continuing the match. And then WWE did some great editing to make it all fit together. But apparently this thing went on like 10, 15 minutes before they let him continue to wrestle. So good on them for stopping it, especially coming out of like, uh, I can't. I don't want to say AAA because I don't want to shit on AAA. But there, we just we had a spot like this recently where a guy continued to wrestle and died, right? Yeah. So it's you know if you get a concussion like that, one good blow to your head. I mean that could be the end of you, whether you want it to be or not, and whether you seem fine or not. Because when you I don't know if you've ever had a concussion, Dane. But when you wake up stars and you have a job to do, like when I played football, like you just get up and you're like, I need to go do this. And that's not always the best answer. And it's good that they at least took the time to try to assess it 
and it's incredible that he did not get hurt way more than he was, honestly. And, and uh, he's a badass, man, for fucking wanting to keep on going with the fucking match, too. A complete badass, especially con- considering what his best friend is, Ciampa, who has so many neck problems because of shit like this. For him to just be like, keep going, I would have just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess this guy wins. Rich Holland, put him over. He broke my fucking neck. I would have sold that shit. If I got dropped on my neck like that and had to take like a 15-minute break, I would have just been done. It's just wrestling, dude. You got to think about shit outside of wrestling at some point. Yep. All right, so we had Dakota Kai versus uh, Jesse Kamei. Or Kama- I forgot. I can't. She's new. She was actually good in this match. She got a, a lot more offense because basically this match was supposed to look like Dakota's in peril. And at some point, you know, towards the end of the match, Kai grounds uh, Kamei in the middle of the ring. Uh, Kai applies the straight jacket submission, but Kamei fights up and gets out. Kai misses a big boot in the corner. They tangle and Kamei rolls her up for a two count. Kamei with a big kick to drop Kai. Uh, Kamei with a flying strike in the corner. Kamei keeps control and drives Kai into the mat. Kai kicks out at two in the middle of the ring. Kai catches Kamei with a shot to the face. Kai scoops Kamei and nails the GTK in the middle of the ring for the pin to the win. Dakota Kai. And after the match, Kai stands tall in the middle of the ring as the crowd boos. We go to replays, and her music hits. Kai uh, takes a mic and cuts a promo on Io Shirai, warning that she will take the NXT women's title at TakeOver. Kai talks about doing this all alone and says it will feel so good when she kicks Shirai in the face over and over. The music interrupts, and out comes Shirai. She rushes the ring, and they brawl. Shirai kicks Kai out of the ring and follows, beating her around the ringside area. Shirai drops Kai over near the stage. Shirai grabs Kai, but the return Raquel Gonzalez suddenly rushes through the curtain out of nowhere, making her return by dropping Shirai with a big boot. Gonzalez carries Shirai in the ring and dumps her on the mat. Kai taunts Shirai as the crowd boos, and Gonzalez looks on. Shirai suddenly drops Kai, but Gonzalez clotheslines Shirai from behind and puts her down. Gonzalez lifts Shirai high in the air and chokeslams her on the mat. The music starts back up, and we go to replays. Gonzalez and Kai look on the stage while Shirai uh, struggles to recover on the mat. So, a decent match. Like I said, this was just to kind of get to this portion of it. Because, I mean, Dakota Kai is is a good chicken shit heel. Uh, She was a good baby face, and now she's actually doing a pretty good job as a chicken shit heel. But she fucking hits hard. I, her halu of a kick uh, is awesome. It's it's not as good as Sammy's, but it's it's pretty damn good. She usually makes it look like it's devastating. And I liked her diesel coming back fucking full strong and helping out with Io Shirai. Still think Io's going to get the win, though. But I liked uh, the return of Raquel Gonzalez, and I like this Shawn Michaels diesel type thing going on, very similar to MJF and Wardlow. What do you think? Should have been a squash match leading into the pay-per-view, but outside of that, I thought it was a decent build-up. Agreed. All right, I so mean, Tegan Knox. Sorry, sir. 
No, I was going to say it was a good match. I'm, I'm not going to crap on anything that he did in the ring. It's just I would have probably booked it differently considering Dakota Kai has lost a lot of matches recently and she's headed into a, the title picture. Yeah. No, you're right. So after Tegan Knox backstage with Mackenzie Mitchell asking about Candice LeRae's recent words about her, uh, Knox says the comments did take her by surprise a bit because they once were friends. She goes on and says she's ready to talk about their problems now, and she walks off. Um, so that that's setting up something between those two ladies, and they should have some kick-ass matches in the future. <laughs> but uh, she was, like, over a glass of wine? Is this this... Am I missing? Am I mixing up my notes? Is this the conversation over I, a glass of wine? I think that Tegan was trying to act sarcastic and tough, but she came off like she was being serious. Yeah. Um, well, this was bad, but I do like Candice LeRae. Tegan Knox versus Candice LeRae should be good going forward, but this promo was weird. I agree. All right, so we got a Finn Balor video uh, on the Velveteen Dream ahead of tonight's match. And then a match with Legado del Fantasma versus Brazongo and Isaiah Swerve Scott. This is actually a pretty good match. I mean, even though they've been so fucking stupid and, and geeky, even though they said they were going to start taking themselves seriously, this is the first match they started doing that. Obviously, they have a reason to, but it was a pretty hard-hitting match. And, I mean, all the guys in the ring are pretty damn good wrestlers. Towards the end, Scott comes flying off the top, but Escobar kicks him in the midair, and Swerve goes down. Breeze drops Mendoza from the apron to the floor. Wide springboards in while Escobar holds Swerve, but Swerve turns Escobar, and Wilde accidentally hits a missile drop cut, drop kick on his boss. That was a pretty good spot. This also sends Swerve into Breeze, knocking him off the apron as he waits for the tag. Swerve and Escobar... Tangle again, Swerve with a big driver to Escobar for the pin, but the referee tells Scott he's not legal. Swerve argues, while the Mendoza double-team Swerve now. Breeze is legal from the tag where he was knocked to the floor. Breeze comes in and uploads on Wild and Mendoza. Uh, Escobar counters and drops Breeze from the apron, uh, necking him over the top rope. Escobar follows up with a phantom driver, in the middle of the ring for the pin. Legado del Fantasma wins after the match. Uh, Legado del Fantasma stands tall in the ring. As we go to replays, we come back and see the winners standing together as Swerve and Brazongo recover on the floor. So all that for nothing, Chris. What did you think about this match? You guys can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, but Brazingo is a better tag team than the Young Bucks. Whoa. <laughs> fire as as far as as far as wrestling goes i thought this was a very very good match probably my match of the night honestly and uh you know what if fandango's contract ever expires if he wants it to granted um he should go somewhere else and become a huge star because he's so fucking good He's the Rick Martell of his generation, man. And he's going to go over the WWE. And that's so sad to me. Because I feel like he can go to New Japan. 
and uh, get into the G1, do some cool shit. Like, there's so much that you could do with this guy. And Chris Jericho obviously felt the same way. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe saying they're better than they... Well, you know what? If you give them the same opportunities the Young Bucks had against the talent the Young Bucks had, you know what? I don't feel that unconfident about this. If you take it outside of the the, the realm of WWE, Brasingo is a pretty fucking good tag team that gets overlooked a lot. Do you think... Do you think it might be psychology-wise they're better with classical or classical, classic wrestling psychology than the Young Bucks are? They probably use spots to kind of transition their match. I would say that except for I saw that Golden Lovers match, which was fucking great, right? Yeah. It was a great so, fucking match. But how many of the matches have we seen that have been those, right? So, I don't know. Yeah, like, Tyler Breeze can fly around. And yep. uh, Brazongo is fucking phenomenal. So I think if you take them out of the WWE system, yeah, maybe they're better than Young Bucks. I'm the only reason I'm giving shit to the Young Bucks is because they were called like they kept getting put in, put over as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And I'm like, I don't fucking even know what this is on about with AEW. Was it last week? <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't know, man. It goes back to what I was saying about Dave. Sometimes I'm like, I love Dave Metzler. I respect him as a historian. But sometimes I'm just wondering if he's saying this stuff to either be trendy or I don't know. I don't fucking know why. Like, there's, I love John Moxley. He's not the modern Stone Cold when it comes to popularity. And fucking Cody to Triple H, same thing. And fucking MJF to Rock. And I'm sorry, the Young Bucks are not the modern Midnight Express or Rock and Roll Express. And he said both of that. It's a joke to me. And I don't want to crap on Dave. I just think that he likes to fucking be cool. Yeah, I wasn't even talking about Dave. I was just talking about within their own show. They seem to put them over as, like, trendsetters. you, You fucking heard the Young Bucks say that the Rock and Roll Express was the Young Bucks of their day. That's what Matt Jackson said. I mean, the young bucks of the fucking Rock and Roll Express days are on a different product, and that's called the Impact. I would say the Motor City Machine Guns are way more comparable. Uh, besides the fact that the Bucks always act heel in their matches, even if they're babyface. So, whatever. I mean, you have you have a fucking Hardy on your... Alright, well, now, now I'm going into a tangent, but... Obviously, Brazingo, if you put them in the same situation to give them leeway, like they do in AEW, I think that would be a much fucking better tag team. Um, and if he could drop the name, uh, I don't know, Fan Fucking Dango after 10 years, Jesus Christ. They're better fucking workers. Get at me. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and express your love right. for the young. Right. Don't get hot, Chris. I, I am hot. I am hot. You, you're the one who made me this way when when they said that there were, like, better than, like, AEW had better tag teams than all of the 80s. Oh, <laughs> Essentially. That was another Dave comment. Besides All Japan, there, there's <laughs> never been a federation in the 80s that's had a better tag team lineup than AEW currently does. It's like, well, that's impossible because they had better ratings. And also better fucking tag teams. So Jesus fucking Christ. I love him, but he's he's getting senile or something sometimes. No, nah, he's getting fanboyish. 
Yes. Yeah, that's there's probably good, better. There's a good thing that Brian Alvarez is there to like try to dial him in oh, there a little bit. I know, man. <laughs> I know, man. I think he he drives him fucking crazy sometimes. But uh, like, look, Young Bucks are great. I would definitely put them in the top ten greatest tag teams of all time for what they've done for wrestling, especially yeah. in a time where wrestling is not a cool thing to watch. <laughs> but also, there are tag teams that are better than them. <laughs> I still, I still love Balding Buck and Road Warrior Buck. I think that you know. <laughs> I would say that there's actively tag teams that are better than they are right now that have been around longer than they have, such as the fucking Briscoes. Or uh, fucking uh, Gorillas of Destiny, man. Apparently Motor City Machine Guns, because, you know, Alex Shelley's back, so game over, Young Bucks. Yep. All right, well... We see Pat McAfee pulling up to the building. Uh, he hops out with three friends, including former NFL player AJ Hawk and Darius Butler. I felt bad for the other guy. He was just other guy. No one knew the fuck his name was. I don't know fucking football. Um, Beth Phoenix announces breaking news from general manager. The takeover pre-show will see Brizongo going against uh, Raul Mendoza and uh, Joaquin Wilde from La Gado del Fantasma. Uh, against Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch to become the number one contender for the, the uh, tag team championship uh, against Imperium. I, I don't I don't mind this at all. I actually think this is fine. But why the fuck is the Undisputed not in this? Like I know they just lost, but they got that was complete bullshit how they lost. We know that. And I mean, if you're gonna do a three fucking way tag team, you might as well put another goddamn tag team. I'm just saying. I know Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch are not winning that. So it's between the other two. They're still going to be there to punch people really hard. What do you think, Chris? Run this by me again. Who's involved in this match? <laughs> Brazongo, uh, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde from Legado del Fantasma, and Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. So Legado del Fantasma gets the W, I guess. Probably. Either them or Brazongo, which I don't... Probably It's probably going to be Legado del Fantasma, yeah. Because they like to put all the titles on people, and their leader already has his Cruiserweight title, so it makes sense they get the fucking tag titles. Yeah, well, I'm assuming they're trying to build them as the new Undisputed Era before they throw Adam Cole to the main roster after he gets punted in the head. Yep, I can definitely see that. So, um, yeah, nothing against, once again, Brazongo, great fucking tag team. You gave these people chicken shit, and they turned it into chicken salad, bro. Yeah, remember <laughs> the fucking, what was it, the fashion files? <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking great, and they're not bad in the ring. They probably could be really good outside of the WWE construct of shit. All right, now I'm just tangenting it. Let's move on to the next fucking match. Uh, Some would oh, say they're better than the Young Bucks. Yeah, Chris would say that they're better than the fucking Young Bucks. Because what's the Young Bucks gimmick? You have to watch our YouTube? If I have to watch your fucking YouTube video to know what your gimmick is, then you didn't get your shit over. I'm sorry. Man, he's just... He's not having it tonight. 
I agree with him. All right, so we go back to the ring, and out comes the Undisputed Era. Bam, 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 bam. Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. Uh, there's no talk on the mic. Cole and his crew want to fight, and they tell Pat McAfee and his, his friends to come on out. McAfee comes out with his tree friends, and he grabs the mic and says he brought 28 years of NFL experience with him. McAfee goes on about how Cole goes nowhere without his three stooges and would be nowhere without them and couldn't handle a face-to-face with McAfee by himself. So Cole stands there for a second and then sends his crew out of the ring and asks McAfee if he's ready to start. McAfee sends his guys to the floor and enters the ring. McAfee takes the mic and goes on about how he made Cole look like an amateur. McAfee also takes a shot at fans at home, calling them uh, ignorant. Um, he says Cole better hope he doesn't choose to take over this profession as he has with others. McAfee says takeover will end like the other week with Cole laid out unconscious. He talks about how Cole only gave him two weeks to train for this. McAfee also mocks Triple H's ESPN appearance when the challenge was issued. McAfee says Cole will have to explain to the entire wrestling community uh, about how he lost to an outsider. McAfee says Cole is great in this world, but he's next level. He's above Cole as a human. And on Saturday, the match will end with one swing of his foot. Cole walks towards McAfee, but security jumps in the ring and gets in between them. McAfee says security is saving Cole. Cole ends up taking out all four guards. McAfee's NFL friends get on the apron. The Undisputed Era join Cole. Cole tells McAfee to get his boys in the ring so they can mangle them. Cole walks to McAfee in his face and says he will make McAfee his bitch on Saturday. The Undisputed Era exits the ring as their music starts up. They pose at ringside, staring down McAfee and his crew in the ring. Um, and at one point, also, McAfee made mention about, he said that he's been, he's made a million dollars in five different professions. I don't know what some of them are. Obviously, one of them was football for being a punter. The other one was podcasting. And don't you dare make me try to do a sixth one, referencing wrestling. Uh, a lot of people praised uh, McAfee for this promo, and I thought he did a good job for for an outsider to come in here and have. I mean, you gotta think though. This is kind of what he does with his podcast. So he's good at talking. He's good at that aspect. He loves wrestling. He's trained with Rip Rogers. We've gone over all that. Triple H told uh, you know on his press conference, don't you know, don't undersell McAfee. That takeover matches are takeover matches for a reason. And he thinks that McAfee is going to have a great match with Adam Cole. Like, he could just be blowing up uh, smoke up people's asses. But Adam Cole's not a bad dance partner. The whole thing that kind of pissed me off with this, this kind of didn't change it 100%. I still don't really want Adam Cole against fucking Pat McAfee um, at TakeOver. But I like that Adam Cole took all the stupid verbiage from him. Let, told his guys to get out of there so it could just be the two of them. And then at the end of it, walked it off like none of his shit fucking mattered and told him he's going to make him his little bitch. I like that. I mean, it's weird because they're positioning Adam Cole in a babyface direction, but I am curious to see what happens in this match. Chris, how'd you like the promo? And what do you think about the feud itself now after this? I still think it's fucking obviously irrelevant based on, like, the views it got. But the promo itself, 
Pat McAfee should have been a wrestler instead of a punter. <laughs> and he should also be asking, I think Brian Alvarez said it best, he should be asking for that Rob Gronkowski money because he was way better than Rob Gronkowski was. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> for what they've asked him to fucking do. I mean, like, I, it's like I said, multiple shows we've done. It's not me banging on Pat McAfee. It's just like, it's NXT. You kind of expect more. You expect more out of your former champion. And uh, it, to me, all roads are leading to Seth, like not Seth, but Adam Cole losing this match clean. Or his team turning against him and losing. Yeah. To do something with Pat in the future. Because Pat came out and cut a fucking great promo. Like, holy shit, it was a good promo. Like... Dude can can rock the mic. So where do you go from here? I don't know. I mean, if he's good and he wants to, let him pursue wrestling in NXT. I don't but know. That. I mean, but he's made a million dollars in five different industries. <laughs> so I don't know that he necessarily <laughs> wants to do wrestling full time. But he could get a win over Adam Cole. I mean, you've already positioned Adam Cole as kind of a baby anyways, based on this entire thing. He got mad because he got called short. Then he got punted in the head. So, in theory, my guess would be the entire, you know, his group turns against him, and that's how he loses. And Pat comes out the winner, and he moves on the main as probably part of this Antifa thing. That would be my... My guess. Yep. It could be. There's a lot of people wondering that could make retribution better than are rumored for it that I'm wondering if it actually happened. You know, I don't know about Sami Zayn just because I don't think he's coming over here because he's like fuck that with the pandemic and that's how he's sticking to it. He would make sense. Tommaso Ciampa would probably be a good mouthpiece. Um trying to think Daniel Bryan, if he was ended up being the mastermind would kind of shock everyone. But once again, he's chose to stay fucking away from uh, WWE because of uh, quarantine and everything. And then if you have any person that's returning, like if Rusev's a part of it or uh, Leo rush would be another good person to throw it in there. Could be interesting, but most likely it's Antifa trying to be NWO and it will probably be worse than Nexus. So, so I would just mix the, Daniel Bryan stuff in general since he moved to a creative team and he just had a child. Yeah. Right? So I feel like they're going to bring him back for big spots, not for this. I don't think they feel like Antifa invading is a big spot. So, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I would go ahead and cancel that one. Um, it's it's a weird scenario. I mean, what, do you, what are you going to do with Adam Cole? Does he want to move up? Because we've seen now that multiple people, Gargano, Ciampa, and maybe Cole, don't care about the main roster. They're fine with where they're at, which to some extent is like, uh, eh, I can't really blame them. But I could definitely see, you know, all of the Undisputed Era turning against him. Um, and that being a feud for a while until he decides to go there afterwards. But, you know... The other the the glass half full thing is maybe he is the leader of this group. 
and he took his eye off the ball. But the thing is, you're about to have him lose to a football player if that's the case. So how are you going to put that? How are you going to put the group over? I mean, the other option is Samoa Joe if he's coming back. I guess. Holy shit! Do you as a mastermind? Whew. Kind of feel bad for Chelsea Green because she was put into that and she didn't even get time to be able to do anything in NXT. She was just grabbed and now she's in that weird fucking faction. Well, someone's got to support Zack Ryder's, you know, figure habit. Macadona. <laughs> Cardona. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Ma- Ma- hit- Let me speak his Christian name. Matt Cardona's figure habit. <laughs> All right, so we had a match with Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah versus Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart. This was a good fucking tag match, man. Uh, the ending, Martinez uh, stares at Ripley while nailing a butterfly suplex on Shotzi, who still kicks out at two. Martinez taunts Shotzi while keeping her down with the boot. Ripley paces the apron and waits for a tag as the crowd rallies. Shotzi looks to co- uh, make a comeback now. She drops Martinez with a sky-high DDT. And the crowd rallies again. Aaliyah and Ripley tag in at the same time. Ripley unloads with clotheslines and big knee strikes to the face. Ripley drops Aaliyah and hits a big basement dropkick. Ripley gets Aaliyah in the electric chair, dropping her into a face buster for a two count as Martinez breaks it up. Shotzi runs in and kicks Martinez, dropping her and sending her out. Shotzi tags in as Ripley drops Aaliyah with the riptide. Shotzi goes on top, but Martinez decks her from the apron, hanging her up on the turnbuckle. Ripley decks Martinez with the right hand and slams her from the apron into the ring. Ripley ends up uh, sent shoulder first into the ring post, the apron. Martinez misses a big boot on the apron as Ripley jumps down the floor. Ripley immediately grabs Martinez from the floor while Martinez is on the apron and hits a fucking huge powerbomb, laying Martinez out on the uh, on the uh, concrete floor, but on the other side of the barrier as Maranel yells out. Shotzi recovers uh, off the top turnbuckle and hits the diving senton to Aaliyah for the pin for the win. Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart. After the match, the music hits as Ripley and Aaliyah stand tall. Stone is losing his mind as he checks Martinez, who is face down and not moving on the other side of the barrier. He goes to a replay and comes back to uh, winners taunting Robert Stonebrand from the ring. So, well, I'm just going to assume, since they have the option to record, that when Rhea Ripley went and powerbombed Mercedes Martinez, they had some type of padding on the floor that she fell upon. Then they went to it, removed that, obviously, and had her like, there's no fucking way Rhea Ripley is going to do not not a running, but a pretty fast-paced walking powerbomb over the barrier onto fucking concrete onto, you know, with, with Mercedes Martinez, who's a bit older. Like, that's not something I even want to see someone in their fucking 20s take that type of bump. So the visual was cool, but they had to have fucking stopped that. It was a good tag match, though, regardless. Very hard-hitting. I'm looking forward to Rhea Ripley versus Mercedes Martinez. Um, what do you think, Chris? I don't know if it was camera magic or not, but the, the, this was a great match. <laughs> I think she just took that fucking bump, dude. Uh, She's tough as fuck, man. Yeah, Mercedes Martinez, great to be back. 
Robert Stone Brand represent. <laughs> um, now this is great. Uh, I thought this was really this is the main event, right? No, there's one more match. That was uh. No, there is. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. I'm scrolling. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, this was this was pretty good. I don't have anything negative to say about this, except for um, didn't they do a gimmick earlier in the day on Facebook about uh, the helmet with Robert Stone? I don't know. Did they? That would have been hilarious to watch. I think so. Robert Stone is scared of uh, Shotzi, which is great. <laughs> so, uh, I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it if it wasn't on this show. Because I don't have it in my notes, so I must have watched it afterwards. Where he's actively scared of Shotzi running his legs over with a tiny tank. Out of the dumb things in wrestling, this might be one of my favorites. But I, yeah, I like this. And, um... I, I don't know. Rhea Ripley's got to get a win and move forward because, I mean, Dakota Kai is probably her next target because I feel like Dakota's probably taking the title at, at uh, TakeOver. All right, man. So I got to say, this we didn't have Keith Lee or Karrion Cross on this show, but the video package they put together that they showed us was fucking awesome. They paced it to Metallica's new single, Moth to the Flame. And, I mean, they had fire and imagery with Karrion Cross and, and Scarlet, and they went back through the whole entire buildup of what was happening. Scarlet coming out with the hourglass for Adam Cole, Adam Cole losing to Keith Lee, and then her coming with the broken one, Karrion Cross attacking people, including, you know, putting down Dominic Dijakovic. And then Keith Lee still being that badass baby face, ain't fucking around with anyone. This was this was awesome, man. It's not their best work that they've ever done. Was my way for WrestleMania. Uh, I can't remember the second one with The Rock and Stone Cold. That was the best one that they've ever fucking produced to me, at least. You know the punches during that, and I'm not the biggest Limp Bizkit fan, but. That song. Oh, but it's so it's so great. They've made so many even YouTube parodies of that where it's like Goku versus Vegeta. It's just so good. It's just, so perfect. It's, somehow that song is only fitting in the wrestling aspect. Like if you put that in your, on in your car while you're driving to go see a concert or something, or like to go get lunch, people are gonna look at you like you're crazy. But if you put it on in the in the in the subject of Stone Cold versus The Rock, you're like, fuck yeah! It's like they wrote it for one specific thing. So good. Yeah, it's great. But I thought this one was pretty good too. How did you like this video package with Keith Lee and Karrion Cross? incredible they do a great job with the video packages and uh it made me want to see keith lee kill carrying cross i don't think it's going to happen but it definitely made me want to see it me too my friend me too all right so we had the last match the second chance qualifier or the second second chance qualifier for take over finn balor against Velveteen Dream. This was the best match Velveteen Dream has had since he's been back from his injury. This was a damn good match. Obviously, he had a great... (laughs) Obviously, he had a... 
What were you going to say? Out, I said, turns out Balor's pretty good at the wrestling. <laughs> but even even the back and forth, some of the chain stuff they did at the beginning required Dream to do a lot of stuff, and they both were evened out. I thought this was an awesome match. I thought this whole night had great matches, honestly. Uh, besides that scary moment with Johnny, NXT was pretty on point. Uh, but the end of the match would have uh, our Dream brings Balor back in, but the Dream DDT is blocked. Dream blocks that with a takedown. Balor counters again, blocking the Dream Valley driver and putting Dream on the mat. Balor sets his sights and hits the big running dropkick into the corner. Balor goes to the apron to capitalize, but he's distracted by Grimes, who came out there like some weird redneck, taking the fucking... <laughs> taking the fucking uh, belt and going to the top of the ladder and just talking shit like he's a troll. Uh, <laughs> uh, Balor goes to the top and has words with Grimes. Dream takes advantage and runs up to the top, bringing Balor back to the mat with the big superplex. Johnny Gargano comes down now, pushing the ladder over, sending Grimes in the ring. Grimes hits the referee, and he goes down. Gargano smiles at ringside. Grimes gets to his feet in the middle of Dream and Balor. Balor drops him and hits the big kick. Dream with a fame esser to send Grimes out. Balor with a sling blade on Dream. Balor charges Dream uh, and drops him. Gargano picks up the title at ringside. Bronson Reed comes down the ramp. And Gargano enters the ring with the belt. Reed follows him in. Gargano backs into Damian Priest, who is also... In the ring, out of nowhere now. The crowd cheers as Gargano pleads in between the two big men. Priest rocks Gargano and ends up with the title as Reed uh, tosses Gargano out. Priest has the title now. As he stares Reed down, Priest tosses the title to Reed and kicks him in the face as he catches the belt. Priest charges, but Dream super kicks him. Dream clotheslines Priest to the floor. Balor clotheslines Dream to the floor and then nails a big dive out to Priest. And out of nowhere, Timothy Thatcher attacks out of nowhere and slams Balor on the floor, still pissed off about losing. Uh, Thatcher tosses Balor back in where Dream is, uh, waiting with a Dream Valley driver. Dream goes to the top and hits the big flying elbow drop on Balor in the middle of the ring for the pin and the win to get the final spot at TakeOver. Winner, Velveteen Dream. After the match, Dream stands tall to celebrate, but Gargano lays him out. Gargano raises the title in the air, but Grimes hits him from behind. Priest enters and chokeslams Grimes now. Reed enters and levels Priest. Dream comes back, but Reed uh, drives him into the mat in the middle of the ring. Reed raises the vacant NXT North American title while standing tall in the middle of the ring as his music hits. The final NXT before TakeOver goes off the air with Reed posing in the middle of the ring with the title. And we all know, because of that, he's not going to fucking win that title. Um, so our match is Velveteen Dream, Johnny Gargano, Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest, and uh, Bronson Reed. Pretty good ending for the now North American ladder match, the second one that they've done for this vacant North American championship. The clustering that they do with, with these things with WWE on any of the products, usually on Raw or SmackDown, where they got to bring out every person, at least it's a bit more, I would say, NXT organized, sequenced, and they did a good job about it. Uh, we have Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher just got added to NXT TakeOver, 
So, like I said, Thatcher and Finn Balor. Finn caused Thatcher. I think he got the the double stomp on Thatcher. And then who who was it? Oh, it was Loomis pushed uh, Finn out of the uh, ring and then got the three count. And then they had another match and something happened. I don't remember. Timothy does not like Finn. They should have a fucking good match. That's all that really matters. And I liked a lot of this. I liked the match between Velveteen Dream and Finn Balor was much better than the ending with the involvement with every fucking one else in this match. But good, good way to, I think, go off air. Uh, Bronson Reed is definitely not getting that title. I'm still kind of, I, I, I think it's going to be Damian Priest. I really do. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I'm on the same boat as you with Damian Priest, but uh, Bronson Reed has had a strong ass push headed into this thing, so I'm I'm thinking that's the feud coming out of it. Probably, uh, Bronson also said on Twitter that he's going to pay um, respects to one of his favorite WWE legends. So I'm expecting him in an earthquake costume or a Bam Bam Bigelow costume. Oh my God, if he comes out with like the, the fucking earthquake OG 90s shit on, I'm going to immediately want him to win. Yeah, it'll be pretty awesome, man. Pretty it'll awesome. Pretty great. I mean, it's such, it's, it, there's two things I think of with earthquake, which is one, my childhood. And the second one is, is just knowing that John Tent is out there sumo wrestling fucking people. <laughs> oh, how about the drop kick he was able to do at his size? Uh, my lord. All right, what let's was, go over this. Tenta, was Tenta Shockmaster or am I confusing two people? No, yeah, that's um god damn it, tugboat. Typhoon. Uh Okay, so the other the other member of the natural disasters. That's that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure because I wanted to give him props for that too. <laughs> Yeah, so we got um, got six matches. I could see two being added to this that we don't know about. One being Isaiah Swerve Scott against, unless you're going for further time, but against, um, god damn it, what's the Cruiserweight champion? It's not Phantasma anymore. It's a, it's a crime boss, and I can't even fucking think of him. I'm going to say Pablo Escobar, but it's, it's El Dave Fantasmo. No, it's, it's something Escobar. Legato. It's something Escobar. Um, all right, the Cruiserweight champion, Escobar, who used to be El Fantasma, the leader <laughs> of that group, against Isaiah Swerve Scott for the Cruiserweight title. It's and I can also see Santos Escobar. Santos yes. Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve Scott for the Cruiserweight. I also could see in the pre-show maybe Tegan Knox against Candice LeRae. But we only have six matches, and TakeOver doesn't like to do a bunch of matches. They like to have their matches more lengthy. So we'll go over uh, in no order. Remember, this is Wikipedia. So I don't know the order of the matches. We got the, the one that was just added, Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. This should be a fucking brutal-ass match. A lot of technical stuff, but I expect Finn Balor to win. I'll be kind of mad if he doesn't. Hmm, I'm torn on who's going to win, but match of the night. Yeah, definitely could. <laughs> definitely could. I would. I would, I, I want to go with Timothy Thatcher on this one. Yeah, maybe, maybe Finn could be going back to Raw SmackDown or something. 
It kind of seems that way, right? Where he comes back with a big demon comeback kind of thing. Well, I mean, if there's going to be a person that could take, I'm just saying, take the fiend off his perch if he gets the title from Braun Strowman, it's a returning Finn Balor a little bit after a year after what happened to him as the demon going full fucking force towards the fiend and taking the title off of him if they wanted to do that. I don't I don't think they would, but they could. I could easily see that. Or Abyss, man. I want Joseph Parks to fuck <laughs> Abyss. You just want Joseph Parks to get out of his contract so he can get back to the I was, TCA. I was just so happy to see him in that fucking segment with AJ Styles and the fact that him, AJ, and Jeff Hardy – you being a TNA fan of that time period, you must have smiled with that, right? I did smile. It's probably because AJ's like, I need somebody to kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to get fucked up like Samoa Joe trusting this AOP motherfuckers to catch me. So. God, Joseph Parks, though, I mean, just... I mean, it's like he's the Mick Foley of his generation. He played this evil fucking monster and then this silly, happy-go-lucky dude. That's his brother, his twin brother. It's great. It's a great character, and if it was on WWE, it would have been even better. It, it gets overlooked, but, I mean, even the character of Abyss is great. Yeah. Getting manipulated by people like Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett, and uh, I'm trying to even think. There was another person even before them, but, like, if you go back That's and watch the old Sabu. Cool. Brutal. And there's a great match with him and Mick Foley, which I told you about, yep. because Mick Foley should not have been wrestling at this time period, where Mick Foley is uh, basically Abyss's hero was Mick Foley. So the storyline setup is like Abyss is coming out and saving Mick Foley and saving him and saving him. And then finally Mick has this opportunity to save Abyss, and he just lets Abyss get murdered. And he's like, you let me down as my hero. Why would you do that? And then sets up a, a monster balls mat or monster ball match, TNA, which is basically a hell in a cell match, but they hang a bunch of shit from <laughs> the top of the cell just for people that don't watch TNA. Um, and uh, it's just really great. And he works around where Mick is like not able to do stuff, so they do most of the stuff on the stage. He takes a massive tack spot, but he ends up coming out victorious but it's 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 great it's a tribute to mick because of how much abyss loved mick fully in that multiple character thing which played into his other work abyss is one of the unsung heroes yep. of the professional wrestling world so like if well, you're telling me abyss is going to show up and fuck up aj styles or the fiend let's do it why not <laughs> can we just or if we could just finally get glenn jacobs to take a break from mayor and have a fucking Kane versus Abyss match. That would be awesome, too. That would be fucking cool. Also, for those that are squeamish out there, do not watch the match that Dane was talking about with Sabu and Abyss. Because How about you, how about you find, you know, <laughs> get rid of your pussy and fucking watch it? It's, um, not, it's not for the light of heart, because Sabu tears an artery in oh. that match, and there is just blood every time his heart beats going... Until he finishes the match. I don't know how he didn't die. This is a fucking crazy, crazy man. All right, so we have, we talked about this, Triple Threat, uh, on the 
for the number one contender for the NXT Tag Team Championships with Imperium. It's going to be on the pre-show. Brazongo, Fandango, and Tyler Breeze uh, versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch versus Legado del Fantasma, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. And I'm going with Legado del Fantasma. I think that they'll probably take those belts off of Imperium and then they'll all have gold because that's what NXT likes to do. What do you think, Chris? I have to agree with you. I feel like they're moving Adam Cole on somehow, and uh, that's going to be their new faction. All right, so we have Adam Cole going against Pat McAfee. Singles match. I am going to say Adam Cole because I really don't want to see Pat beat him, but I don't know. Who do you think? I'm going to go Pat but only because Undisputed Era turns against Adam Cole. So, bold prediction, but I feel like uh, they're moving Adam Cole on here, maybe. All right, so we have Io Shirai, the NXT Women's Champion, going against Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez in her corner. Unless they're trying to bring Io up, I think Io's going to beat her, and the person that will take that title off of her will be Rhea Ripley after Rhea's done with Mercedes. Which is another match I could see them adding to this. Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley. But I think Io Shirai is going to beat Dakota Kai, even with Raquel Gonzalez there. And then Io will go on against uh, Rhea Ripley after Rhea is done with Mercedes Martinez. And Rhea will take that title off of Io. Uh, What do you think? I think Dakota Kai picks up the title and Io goes into the abyss. Probably the main roster. And then... The rest of the setup is fine, I, I, but I do think Io is probably losing the title. And you get e, instead of Io versus Dakota or Tegan or uh, Rhea, you probably get Rhea versus Io, or not Rhea, not Rhea versus Io, Rio versus. Uh, God, how did I set this up to begin with? Um, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know at this point. I think Io is going to make. All right. I get it. Dakota, Dakota Kai is going to probably win the title and then go against either Tegan Knox or Rhea Ripley would be my guess. Okay. All right, so we have the ladder match. I would expect this match started off because when they did this beforehand for when they first had the NXT North American Championship and Adam Cole won it, it started off the takeover. So I think they're going to start off the actual takeover with this ladder match. Bronson Reed. Versus Damian Priest, versus Cameron Grimes, versus Johnny Gargano, versus Velveteen Dream. Uh, You know, Johnny Gargano wasn't supposed to make it to here. This was because of an injury that happened. Uh, Neither was, I don't think, uh, who's the other person that got added because of that? I think it was Velveteen Dream. So, I'm going to go with either Cameron Grimes or Damian Priest. I'm giving the slight edge to Damian Priest. What do you think? Same boat I produced it two weeks ago. I think it's Damian Priest. Just because I feel like he'll give a good chase for everybody else involved. Um, I don't think he's going to hold the title long, but I feel like it's a smart move to put the belt on him. They definitely like him, man. I mean, you can tell his two favorite wrestlers, if you didn't know, were Undertaker and Razor Ramon. And Scott Hall has been pretty one-on-one with him, working with him, so... 
That's why he does the uh, Outsider's Edge to the... that They're going to fucking do that spot, man. And just don't do it on Johnny, for Christ's sakes. Outsider's you... Edge to the apron edge. I don't need to see that anymore, but they'll probably do it. I was going to say bold prediction. Someone gets the Outsider's Edge <laughs> from the top of the ladder. Oh, God, how painful. It's probably going to be Bronson Reed as the rookie. He's like, I guess I'm taking this right now. <laughs> Ponson Reed goes through the fucking uh, ring. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely see that happening. There will be a huge Razor's Edge spot. So if you're a Razor Ramones fan, definitely watch this on Saturday. So we know that, that Bronson said he's going to dress up. Um, and I kind of guess either Earthquake or Bam Bam Bigelow. I know he's a fan of both those guys. We both kind of want the Earthquake. Even though... You know, with Velveteen Dream, he's known for his weird entrance coming out as a certain character. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that he has a Shawn Michaels look to him with uh, the whole fucking nine yards. Old school, like 95, 96 Shawn Michaels. Um, Do you have any bold predictions for Velveteen Dream's outfit? Is it just because Shawn... Couldn't get convicted of all of these crimes on Twitter, or God, um, <laughs> I don't know. But he hasn't done Savage. That would be cool if he came out with, like the purple and white, you know, outfit that he wore. I'm gonna go on a boat and say, diehard wrestling fans are gonna be way more excited about the earthquake thing than a Shawn Michaels appearance. Well, what do you, what do you what would you like to see Velveteen uh, him tribute? He's already done Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, a um, bunch of others. I mean, for punishment, factor, I would like to see him get to be the one to test that razor Ramon, the razor edge off the top of that ladder. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Sean makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either him or Savage. I could see either one of those. I would say debut a new theme song and do something different, especially if you're headed towards the main roster afterwards. Or he, he can't be doing the, the – if he's going to have the same music, if he's going to be a heel, though, he can't be doing the Macho Man fingers out thing. He needs to be more pompous and, and you know, chauvinistic on the way of the ring. Can't, he can't have his cake and eat it, you know? Or if he's going to do it, do the Black Machismo where it's over 9,000. Yeah, I'm down and for be that. A, and be a heel about it. You can come out the pop and circumstance. That's in free reign. Just use that as your theme song. God, that would piss some people off. All right, last match. Keith Lee, the NXT champion, versus Karrion Cross with Scarlett Bardot. I don't know who the fuck is going to win this. This is so hard. Do you have Keith? I know Vince sees a lot in Keith, so I could see this being Keith loses the title and goes... To Raw SmackDown. I know their draft is happening in October. And, and Triple H already said it will be between all three brands. They're going to be switching people. So that's fucking crazy by itself. Um, but Keith Lee losing the title this quickly. But you can't have Karrion Cross lose. So I'm going to go with Karrion Cross. And I can't believe that. But I just don't see... Uh, unless there's some fuckery and then they have another... <laughs> Where Karrion beats him, finally. I don't know. I, I really think that Karrion Cross is probably going to beat him. 
I think you nailed it right there when you said some fuckery. I think nothing happens. No one wins. They're going to channel their inner main roster and not have a finish for this match. Well, there you go. There's NXT TakeOver. I'm looking forward to it. It's tomorrow night. It'll be on at the same time for a little while as AEW Dynamite. AEW Dynamite is scheduled to come on at 6, but it could get pressed later uh, due to the length of the basketball game. So it's definitely going to be the first hour, the first main hour of NXT TakeOver will be the last hour of, of AEW, if, uh, which if, is going to be... If only they had someone they could put on the pre-show that you were very comfortable with, you know, like, you know, Renee Young, <laughs> to try to hype you up for this show. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, either way, tomorrow we're going to be seeing all this. When we do our next show, we'll be going over AEW Dynamite tomorrow night on Saturday night, uh, NXT TakeOver, and SmackDown, the show from tonight that we haven't watched yet. That just ended, so... Hey, you know, we got some weekend to watch this shit. I'm sure it was very interesting. Are you ready for a good time? I'm ready to go to sleep, actually. Um, but yeah, we'll be back, and thanks everyone for listening to the episode. We had a great time breaking it down. Raw almost made me fall the fuck asleep, but we got through it. Chris, thank you so much, as always, for joining me. Say goodbye to the lovely people. Goodbye, lovely people. Also, we're never reviewing raw again if it's as bad as it was the last week jesus that took so long um all jokes aside if you want to get at me on my hot takes on the young bucks you can hit me at, at chris r Patton on twitter if you love hockey you want to hear some hockey news and some hockey stats and uh where the league sets right now you can, you can check out skates to throats on anything, pretty much. Just Google search it. It'll pop up. It's on uh, Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on YouTube. It's on wherever wherever you like to listen to um, your podcast at. I would I would say go to Stitcher and then just download all your podcasts from there. But that's just me. Dane, thank you so much for having me as a host once again. And uh, I'm passing it over to you. I have nothing else to say. I'm done. That was that was a good transition. I appreciate that. But, of course, man, it's always great uh, talking wrestling with you. And we'll talk more Sunday about the stuff that happens tomorrow night. And, uh, yeah, you guys have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Go to geekvibesnation.com. Geekvibesnation.com. That is our main website. There you'll find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter at Danels42. And, uh, yeah. Like, like uh, you know, Chris was just saying, you can find all of our audio stuff, all of our different shows. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We are on iTunes. We're on YouTube. It's on anything. If you want to find a different audio platform, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and it'll break down every website that has our shows. We do two shows a week. Thank you for new listeners for checking us out and coming with us throughout that journey of Monday Night Raw. We, we got to the ending, and thank you for all of our past listeners. Rest in peace, Kamala. Rest in peace to well, well, um, Xavier, and um, obviously, Buffbag will get, get better soon, man. You guys have a great one. Thank you so much. Peace out. Let the Geek Fives be with you.
Yeah. 